0: And welcome to the Slash Filmcast. I am David Chen, and joining
1: me today is Davindra Hardwar. Hey, hello from Georgia. We saved this country, and the Nazis fucked it up. <laughs> and Jeff Kanata.
2: I'm coming to you from inside the mailbag.
0: <laughs> welcome to tonight's episode of the podcast.
2: That's our that's our attempt
0: at trying out uh, greetings, you know, like a little greeting for each of the, the hosts. Yes, well, humans do. Yeah, yeah, let us know what you think. Let us know what you think of that. Slash at the, It's um, going to be the same one every week. Just see. So oh, yeah. It's gonna, literally going to be just that every week. Yeah, it's going to be the, the story, story of
1: 2021. Year.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, anyway, uh, welcome to the Slash Filmcast. Uh, typically on this podcast, we bring you a uh, review of a recent movie every week. This week, we're going to do something different. We wanted to give uh, the people on the podcast a week off from needing to prepare a bunch of movies, although that didn't stop us uh but uh this week won't it's stop. gonna be yeah can't stop what's up. this week is gonna be a listener mailbag episode so we got some what we've been watching and then we're gonna move on into listener questions we got some questions that you wrote into slash filmcast at gmail.com we also got a bunch of over 130 questions over at patreon.com slash film podcast which is and where we you can will not us. stop this episode until we've answered all of them i mean we'll probably answer like Six of them is my guess. You know, we'll, yeah. we'll get to as many of them as we can. We'll get to as many of them as we can. a uh, lot of questions. Uh, and of course, you can always support us over there at patreon.com/slash film podcast, uh, which is also where you can get the After Dark episodes. I want to give a special plug to this week's After Dark. Devinder Hardor put this week's episode together. Uh, it is a discussion of the first three episode quote-unquote episodes i what do you call them yeah, davindra i don't Three know films? episodes <laughs> entries 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 right? in steve mcqueen's uh mm. small acts anthology um davindra tell us about this uh this after dark uh that you put together
1: yeah well i follow richie brave on twitter who i think is a great uh you know british thinker and also you know he's somebody who talks a lot about the black experience in the uk and uh, he's also guyanese like me so i really wanted to chat with somebody who is actually from the West Indian British community about these films and uh, I think we had a really good chat so yeah be sure to check it out and uh try and see the movies before it uh, you know it's spoiler free but I think it really helps for listening to that episode
0: all right that'll be on the after dark and again the way you can get access to that is patreon.com slash film podcast okay uh so we got some what we've been watching then we got some listener mailbag stuff we're gonna answer a bunch of questions today. But before we get to any of that, I, I think it would be weird to proceed with the episode without acknowledging uh, the events of the last week. Whatever could you mean? Well, Devinder Hardware, I, I thought about you, you know, on a, yeah. what was a Tuesday night as it was becoming clear that at least one of the two Senate seats up for the runoff was going yes. to be ter- flipped blue, which was a huge deal. Yeah. Even if just that one was flipped blue, it, it would have been awesome. It was something. Thing. Yeah, and then there was the possibility that both would be flipped. It was an extremely exciting time, and it was—it just you—you you, you seem to be—you seem to have a knack for positioning yourself in geographic locations where major news is occurring, Davindra. Um <laughs> yeah. Between the, that's my talent, the, the major coronavirus outbreak uh, earlier in 2020 to uh-huh. uh, now uh, this massively consequential election. So I was texting with you guys on Tuesday night. I was so excited about all the. Possible change that was going to potentially happen in our country as a result of this uh, runoff election. I mean, how did you feel that night, Divendra? Were you excited?
1: Oh, I was. I was very excited. Um, the races both looked close, but I think by the end of the night, you know, we could tell that Warnock had, yeah, uh, you know, Warnock, Warnock had locked his uh, his race, and then it seemed like Asif was in the lead. I think a lot of analysts were really, you know, aiming for him, and that wasn't settled until the morning. But it felt good, and it was great to see. Georgia and a lot of people and a lot of Democrats and progressives in Georgia really, you know, work to get people to vote and help people to sign up to vote uh, amid a lot of like <laughs> a lot of garbage coming from uh, Trump and his cronies and a lot of things like that were just trying to uh, ham up the process of voting. Um, the USPS slowdown certainly didn't help. Uh, I just got a Christmas card, guys, that was sent by Ms. Christy <laughs> Puchko on December 10th. That wow. is the state of our, yeah, that's kind of where things are. And I've heard things are even worse for packages and whatnot. And, you know, it, it was crazy, but I felt kind of so proud to see how far Georgia had come um, and how great the, I know we, we kind of did it again, right? The make turning Georgia blue seemed like an impossible thing ahead of the uh, ahead of the election in November. And this was just like the final stretch. We just have to do this little bit and we could give the Democrats a fighting shot for the next four years. And we did it. I was very excited. Uh, we were kind of celebrating in the morning. Things felt good. Yep. Uh, Joe Biden, he, he was going to get certified. We're going to really make sure everybody knows. Nothing that could he stop won that this election. year
0: now. Yep. A yeah. solid
2: several <laughs> hours of hope.
0: Yep. 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 Um, and uh, I mean, I, I did read an interesting story about how basically Trump uh, was kind of Georgia's worst enemy, Georgia GOP's worst enemy, because basically. Oh, yeah. He he painted them into a rhetorical corner in the sense that uh, one of the strongest arguments for voting Republican in Georgia this Georgia runoff was hey he can ser- you can serve as a check on Joe Biden's power right yeah. but you can't use that message if the president has not acknowledged that he has lost the election <laughs> so because if, if you say we're going to be a check on on Joe Biden's power then that implies that Joe Biden has won which. Uh, people, A lot of people, uh, Republicans, as we found out this week in rather vivid fashion, have not accepted yet. Um, yeah, so- it's, uh,
2: it's almost like uh, there would have been a whole lot of uh, talking about how Trump screwed up the election if anyone was talking about that election 14 hours <laughs> later.
0: So obviously all three of us uh, were witness to incredibly unsettling and upsetting images that came out of the Capitol the Capitol building was breached, the more information that comes out this week, the more upsetting it is, the more, more it seems like we were really, really close from something truly terrible happening. And by that, I mean, like, I mean, Massacre. several people <laughs> have, yeah, se- several people have died tragically. Right. And, but, um, it seems like, uh, the, some of the targets were lawmakers themselves and like, they could have been injured. It uh, could have fact there,
1: there were bombs. There were bombs that they didn't use. But there were bombs there, you know? There were explosive devices. uh, Well, also at the DNC and RNC, as far as I understand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it was a uh, a coordinated attack that uh, created images that uh, made an indelible impression. And I I think, like, this is... Last week is going to be one of the weeks that we remember for the rest of our lives. It's going to be, like... 9-11. 9-11 It's one of those events Basically, that you're yeah. going to remember yeah. it. It's, yeah. You know, um, I think a former slash homecast guest, Robert Daniels, put it well when he said like a uh, history book is going to like a history book is going to end or begin with what happened on on January 6th. Uh, uh, or a chapter of a history book is going to begin or end with what happened on January 6th. And so uh, I, I think it's going to really divide our perception of American history.
2: I just want like to ask you guys. Somebody, yeah, uh, I wish I knew who to credit, but I read somebody on on Twitter said, uh, I'll never forget where I was when I heard that Trump was pulled off of Twitter. I was on Twitter. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: So I guess I just wanted to, you know, I think we all are still processing it. And I do want to point out that uh, in my opinion, like from my perspective, we are still in the middle of it. Like we oh, yeah. are, we, this is still not over pro- yet. Like quote
1: unquote yeah. oh, protesting, yeah. but they're still there and they're planning things for the inauguration yeah. at Capitol. Well, well like evidently like, the FBI
2: location. has credible credible threats to the capitals of all 50 states at this point. Yeah. Yes, yeah. That, okay.
0: that is what we've heard. So, so uh, a- as we talk about it, and people are listening to it, you should just understand that we are talking about it as people who are in the middle of the storm. So we don't even know how long the storm is going to last, how big the storm is going to be. Actually, that's a, fir- that's a fairly unfortunate term, I guess, because that's the, uh, yeah,
1: please don't the do Q that. Term. There's so, no storm, no storm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All clear so
0: skies
1: over I here. I would
0: say, I would say like we're in the middle of the hurricane, whatever you want to call it. Like basically uh-huh. we're in the middle of a rapidly unfolding series of events <laughs> that we, we don't know what it is going to be yet. We are just barely processing it ourselves. Um, but we're going to process it for a few minutes because I think, uh, People, I like to I'll call say, it the yeah. the
2: dipshit uprising because all the dipshits all over the world have decided they're going to band together and be dipshits together. Mm-hmm. That's what mm-hmm. I like God. to
0: call it. Like well, I wanted to ask you guys like what your mm. as we as you are reflecting on the events the last week, kind of what are your takeaways? Like where 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 are you left right now? Yeah. As you think about the country, as you think about um our politics, as you think about the American people, like what are some of your overall reactions to what happened last week?
1: Mm. I will. I will let you go first, Jeff, because I've already said some stuff. But I, I have a lot to say.
2: I also have a lot to say, and I don't. We don't need to sync the entire podcast with this stuff. But uh you know, I, I'm, I am, I oscillate between fury and depression. Um, and I found out that those two emotions can coexist. Mm-hmm. Um, it, man, I, where do you, where do you even start? It's, it is it makes me so angry how many of us saw this coming obviously and how many people said just calm down about this yep. man and guys you know, after
1: after trump was elected let me just say we had we we put our hearts out there right we said our piece about what we felt could happen and a lot of people replied back saying you're being ridiculous
2: yeah. right how how calm bad down. could it get yeah the there are the 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 structures and um and uh, foundations of this country, yeah. the institutions, yes, they will hold fast. They are they're built strong. And all of us said, uh, but no. What about all these
1: holes over here? It's yeah. kind of leaking.
2: Yeah. And, 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 and th- this sort of new perspective, which is like, oh my God, it got to this. It was always this. It was always this. From the moment he went down the escalator, it was this. This was always where it was going. It didn't. It didn't become this. It didn't, ex, you know, uh, uh, ascend to this. It didn't evolve into this. It was always this. It was always this, and it is so infuriating and depressing, and it just it feels like a violation on the most fundamental level, and you know this 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 piece for this piece of shit this guy yep all for racism him. Is, racism it is, is a powerful him. thing yeah. man racism is a fucking powerful thing it turns out and uh it, yep yeah whatever go ahead Divizora. yeah i You're feel well
1: let, I. let me just say i feel your fury i feel your anger jeff and that is exactly how i feel right because being down here um you, it felt like we were kind of on the knife's edge for a while just seeing how hard we worked in Georgia to like make the November election happen here. You know, how much, how much people work to get the vote out to counteract voter suppression, to counteract people being taken off the rolls. like every, every little bit uh, that the Republicans kind of instituted down here. It's kind of the, this is the way Southern states have been run is to just prevent people from voting. So, you know, the GOP can always win. So much work was put in to counteract that and to get black and brown people voting, to get the immigrant population voting, to to get people who are new to Georgia, but also people who didn't traditionally vote. And it was so successful and everybody worked so hard for it. And we made it happen in November. We made it happen for Warnock and Ossoff, right? And all that work and all it takes is a couple of Nazi dipshits to stroll into the Capitol. Just- stroll in just the cops open the gates for them stroll in please please you want to help down the stairs let me help you out as a as a police officer probably um that was especially infuriating to just seeing that and then seeing how people were treated during the black lives matter protests when things you know were never at this scale but the cops were ready with riot gear. They were ready to beat people up for peaceful protests. I saw this right outside my door in Brooklyn when I was living there, uh, just a couple streets away from me. I was seeing what the NYPD was doing when people were just gathering and saying no to police brutality. And these Nazis come in with guns, with weapons, with, you know, um, with the fervor to destroy there's no peaceful protest here. You don't call them protesters because they're not. They're violent right-wing extremists. They are neo-Nazis. Um, we've been using the word terrorists too, and I, they are technically terrorists. But I, w- I want to get the Nazi thing they're going to because that is essentially it. It is all about white supremacy and seeing how quickly and how easily it can erupt into pure violence when peaceful protests were just destroyed you know, throughout this country uh, for no reason for no reason that made me extra angry. So yeah, I'm just like a kettle of rage over here. Just trying to write about tech news during season. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's, it's this uh, odd situation where the, the gears of the capitalistic system we live in grind on, right? Like you got to kind of go back to work and, and still try to get things done despite everything that's happening. Yeah. Um,
1: well, probably the worst week of the year. Right. Cause I think normally I'd just be like, I would, try to check out a little, you know, but I can't, I just worked yeah. a 14 hour day today because of CES. So, you know, joy.
2: Yeah. I had to put, on, I would, I had to put on a four hour fantasy show on Wednesday, you know, <laughs> and I'm like, all I'm doing is watching mm-hmm. this horror unfold in front of us in real time. And it's like, okay, well, let's know, talk about the, the fun dragons and fairies. And it's like, uh, come on.
0: I think uh, as I reflect back on the week, the thing that uh, all that stuff, uh, I'm with you guys on everything you said. So like I felt all those emotions too. I felt anger and rage. Um, And I think the thing that really kind of irritated, like putting those emotions aside, like they just kind of like irritated me that kind of stuck in my craw is this repeat, this um, repeated phrase from, from the president elect as well, Mm -hmm. Joe Biden, you know, of like, this is not who we are. This is not who we are. And you saw this when they were deliberating and certifying the votes like this is not us. This is not who America is. And I think for (laughs) a lot of people, America is not a
1: not a yeah, not a country built on uh, oppressing minorities and white supremacy and, you know, doing whatever it takes, uh, killing whoever it takes to get your way. Right. That's not what we were founded on. All right.
0: Even though indeed, I know you're being sarcastic and it's like, that is in fact what we were founded on. And it's just like, it's just this denial. I read this article at, um, the Atlantic called denial is the heartbeat of America by Ibram X. Kendi. And it's like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. this is not who America is, or this is not who we are. uh, I mean, for a lot of people in this country, it is who we are and have been for a really long time. And it's only now that everyone is able to see it depicted in vivid detail, uh, as, the Capitol building of the United States is breached. You know, like, it's just, but that's that's what's so upsetting about it is there is no seeming ability to reckon with it. Like, it'd be one thing if this terrible thing happened and everyone was like, wow, like, we really need to start, like, dismantling the systems of white supremacy, you know, from the ground up. Like, Mm -hmm. it it would be great if there was, like, self-examination and um, introspection but that's or not the what fucking I'm people
2: about. didn't mm-hmm. come right back into the the House of Congress and still object to the the electoral college. Like so that
0: it's, what, it's, what? How much is enough? Right? How what? Yeah, what is yeah. it going no, to take? There is realize,
2: no bottom. There is right? no bottom. At, yeah. at
1: least yeah. the attackers all like they they got their justice right. At least that. At least we got that. No. They no. went to their fancy ass hotel and they lounged around their hotel like it was fucking Comic Con after a busy day at Comic Con.
2: Yeah, it did. Yeah, look like you know? to, be,
1: to be fair, many of them have been arrested. But I mean, the, the thing that's really yes, weird is uh, the most cri- prominent ones.
0: Yeah. Chris, Chris Hayes tweeted about this. He's basically like, look, I've been a reporter for a really long time. And uh, from the largest city to the smallest town, whenever something major happens, there is always a briefing by officials there's always like some yes, kind of yes. briefing of like here's what happened and here's what we did here's what they did no briefing no briefing yeah. despite this being like one of the probably the the one of the largest most significant historical events in
1: our lifetime there's yeah. been no
0: briefing there's basically the what i'm building saying is,
1: has not been attacked it was not attacked during the civil war we somehow fought that off you know uh the last people to attack it was the british in 1814
0: so Great. they're they're basically uh is a lot we still to this moment as we're recording this don't know about what happened. Like there's just, we're, we're piecing it together from like Snapchats and, you know, Periscope lives. Like we're, we're trying
1: to figure out what they all broadcast it. That was helpful. Yeah. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I share your anger. I share your concern. And I, you know, I want to take some time at the top of the show to acknowledge, like Mm -hmm. we are living, we are living this, we're experiencing this. And, uh, I don't think it's over. You know, like we, there's Not more by to a come. a long shot is it over. There's more to come, and we are wishing you out there safety uh, in light of everything that's happening. But and, the the craziest
2: part is that that the, the, they have the audacity to to, to mix this the, this entitlement with this persecution complex. Right? It's like it's, uh, this yeah. happened. This happened to the Capitol, and yet all the people who support it vocally are complaining that they lost thirty thousand Twitter followers. You know who didn't lose any Twitter followers? Me. You know why? No fucking fascists follow me. Yeah. That's why I didn't lose any fucking Twitter followers. And th- mm. th- it's like, oh, no, you, you're deplatforming us. Oh, no. Oh, no. We, you know, you, we, we can't. You, you kicked us off Facebook and Twitter. You We're the persecuted ones. We're the persecuted ones. Th- th- that this combination of entitlement of this feeling i can i can walk in to the Capitol without a mask and smile for the cameras and steal shit off people's desks and nothing bad's gonna happen to me combined with oh my god i, lo- I lost twitter followers because they wiped out some of the fucking hate mongers that are on the platform oh we're so persecuted oh i could not yeah. like and I, they won't weep for the,
1: what, 300,000 now dead from the coronavirus? Like, quite a bit. Quite a bit in
2: America. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, we don't even he- hear about that shit, which is like— Not from them. It should be—every goddamn day, we should be f- figuring out how to get this vaccine to people. And now we have to, we have to deal with—I mean, it, it, it is so far beyond the pale what hey, we Jeff, have to deal Jeff, with Jeff, on a guess fucking what? daily basis. Guess what? We're fucking up
1: the vaccine distribution, too. You know, we got this gift handed to us and we can't, we can't even have it have that. let let me just say, I can, I can give you guys a couple things to think about in terms of hope. You mentioned the Atlantic, Jeff, uh, Dave, and have to say, I've mentioned this before, but I think the Atlantic has consistently, consistently during the pandemic and even before, like has produced some of the best journalism out there. So if you want something that will not make your brain feel crazy and just want to like see things analyzed and discussed in ways that actually make a lot of sense or really insightful. It is well worth subscribing to The Atlantic. Um, also, Agreed, the sociologist yeah. Zeynep Tufekci, I think, has been doing the best the best writing, the best analysis out there around both the pandemic and um, what happened at the Capitol, which we don't even have a name for yet. It is so new. I don't know what I we're going to end up I just gave you the name. Yeah. A dipshit uprising. You know, I mean, you know, we got to get a lot of things. Not happy there.
2: with that one, Dave. You did not like that one? <laughs> no, no.
0: But and what, what uh, thing... I agree. The Atlantic is great. And also, Ed, yeah. Young, uh, Ed Young is going to win awards for the work he's, he's doing over there. But, yeah.
1: He's a master. I love him so much. Uh, I also dipshit want to insurrection?
2: Say... Is, is uprising the wrong word? Oh. Insurrection. Mm. Dipshit. Something. Dipshit, something insurrection.
1: dipshit elegy. Mm. Yeah. Bring it back. Pre- uh, I, I would want it to sound like
0: something I didn't come up with in ninth grade. Let's put it that way. Yeah. So.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I'm not. Something I'm something, something, not saying it's yeah. bad.
0: I'm just saying, you know, if I had to choose. We'll work on anyway.
1: that branding. But let, yeah, let me we'll just tell you guys, that. like one thing you mentioned, Dave, is that we've we've never really engaged with who we are and what we have done as a country, right? And that is something that I think we're constantly paying for. The fact that this country never dealt with what it did to the American Indians, um, you know, to the Native Americans, basically, and to kill people wantonly, steal their land, pretend it's your country to bring people from Africa and treat them as objects and as cattle for, you know, for a very long time and all of a sudden be like, oh, you're free and never never acknowledge that um, once people are free, never do anything to actually help them achieve equality. It is, you know, it's all about oppression in so many ways. Um, I'm reminded of like a couple, the couple of times I've gone to Germany, right? And you think of that country as a place where, a lot of ship, shit has happened. There's a lot of history on those streets, and yeah. my first but they have time, in, like
0: re- they have attempted to reckon with it.
1: Right, they have. My first yeah. time in Berlin, there are everywhere you go, there are monuments to what happened, and there are remembrances, and there are places to remind the citizens and everybody of what happened there. Um, you can go to Checkpoint Charlie. It's still there. Pieces of the Berlin Wall are still there and it's a country that at least seems to be engaging in their history although I know Europe has its own neo-Nazi problem and that's not fully, you know, safe either. I went to a film museum. You know, I went to one of the film museums in Berlin and in a room, in a corner, I could pull out drawers and you would find um Nazi film material. It is there in the museum and it's treated as radioactive, right? It's sort of like this thing you go You can see, uh, you know, some Lenny Riefen-style films. You can see um, the content from a lot of the stuff that they had shot in these drawers that are just filed away. And it's just like, you're going to open this, you're going to look at it, and then it's going to go back away. And it just felt like the, the way of at least engaging with the horrors of what happened during World War II and during Nazi Germany, just I found kind of really compelling and really they, they position it in a way yeah.
0: that it is very difficult to celebrate those things basically, exactly right is what you're exactly. saying whereas like here we have uh monuments to confederate generals still you know and and the so confederate flag I, I is like a thing yeah a, a the thing confederate flag rally flew behind. in the Capitol this week you know or last week i should say fucking you know? so, horrific just um yeah. well gents uh let me end this very very upsetting and uh discussion on a lighter note um, maybe it's not that lighter it's, it's actually only slightly lighter um there is a twitter account called death star pr have you guys seen this yes yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. it's like kind of like these satirical tweets like as though they are the death stars pr department uh and so you know they they, they have a they, they they make the right they they choose the right targets you know um and they're often amusing this is a tweet they made today uh quote, we must end the finger pointing about who blew up what planet or killed all the Jedi and move forward. There can be only unity and healing when we agree to completely forget slash ignore all the evil stuff we've done, end quote. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, they're joking. And, and I said, uh, I, I tweeted, I quote tweeted them. I said, they joke, but this is literally what happened between Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. <laughs> um, and and I look mean, where this, that got them. Well this is the thing right now that's happening that's so bizarre is we're seeing all these self-serving craven calls for we got to move on unity anytime you see someone being like unity like we got to unify the country bring yeah. people together like be suspicious of it because what that is code for is the people I want to unite my face any... with
1: your face. That's, that's what <laughs> the, it's code
0: for. The, the, the people who say that, are, it's code for these people who did this should not face any consequences.
2: Yeah. Right? That's yeah. what that is code for.
1: And also, I am I am somehow culpable. Yeah.
2: Can I read you the Death Star PR tweet that I thought you were going to read? That yeah, I, I actually prefer to that one? All yes. right, go. Before. Yeah. The rebels are being hysterical. We would have <laughs> never actually blow up Alderaan <laughs> yep. during, during, now isn't the time to play politics and talk about the destruction of Alderaan after. We need to move on from Alderaan and begin the healing for the good of the galaxy.
0: Yes, uh, these, are, these are great tweets. And I guess I read them because, you know, it's nice to have some humor mixed in with this. But also, uh, this is what we're seeing happening literally right now as we speak. Like, they're saying like, hey, um, we got to move on. We got to bring the country together. The way to move on is to hold people accountable for their terrible deeds. That is the mm-hmm. way to move on. You don't hey, ignore you, the things that happen. Otherwise, you embolden yeah. the bad actors. So, you know yeah. who
1: did that first, by the way, before the the goddamn U.S. government? is fucking Twitter and fucking Facebook. And astounding. Yeah. Astounding yeah. to me that this is where we're at because these are the platforms Trump and his cronies used to rise to power. So, mm-hmm. great. Amazing. I, I, what topsy-turvy world are we in right now? Indeed.
2: Indeed. I mean, right. honestly, um, yeah, we don't need yeah. to keep berating yeah. <laughs> this. But.
0: I think we should uh, – I think we ought to take a break. Uh, thank a sponsor and then uh we should move on but thanks for listening again um stay safe stay healthy out there be well and uh be skeptical of people who are calling for unity be, be skeptical of everything including us you know it's a, it's a challenging time right now um we hope
2: you're keeping a good head on your shoulders and uh and staying okay out there it is time for me to hop in here and to tell you happy new year from our sponsor Manscaped. That's right. Manscaped is the best men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. That's tools for your jewels, baby. And here to help you have clean balls in the new year. Ring in the new year with the right tools for the job. Do you have a new year's resolution? Are you turning over a new leaf? Maybe you got some new grooming routines you want to try in 2021. 2021... The year of clean, shiny nuts. That's right. Hairy nuts are still gross. Even though it's 2021, you got to step into the new year with the tree standing taller. Shave your boys. Manscaped is here to give you a new year's resolution that you'll actually want to keep. The perfect package 3.0 is the below the waist grooming package you need to start off strong this year. Inside the perfect package, you'll find their lawnmower 3.0. This waterproof and skin-safe trimmer will reduce nicks to your two best friends. That's right, left and right. It's also time to freshen up down there in the new year. The Crop Preserver is an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the other smelliest part of your body. That's right, I'm talking about your down-low area. And for on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. Start the new year with a fresh set of testes! Thanks to Manscaped. The Perfect Package 3.0 has a few different ways for you to smell and feel good. Speaking of smelling good, have you heard of Manscaped's new Refined Cologne? With the same signature scent that's in all the Manscaped formulas, this cologne is a perfect complement to the collection. Think of it as your wingman For the night to keep you fresh and ready for anything. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored comfortably. Talk about comfort. The Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and will bring your underwear game to the next level. Bring sexy back in 2021. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code filmcast at manscaped.com. Your balls will thank you. Get 20% off and free shipping with that code, filmcast at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com and promo code F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. New year, new balls. All right, let's
0: move on uh, to some, what we've been watching, gents. Um... So I want to plug a couple quick things that I, wa- I watched probably 25 movies in the last two weeks. Right. So like, I, I can't Amazing. say everything. Yeah. Um, but I will say a few of the things that are, uh, that are pretty major and that are out there. One is I had a chance to watch the 40 year old version, uh, version spelled uh, V E R S I O N. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, this is the uh comedy that's on uh Netflix right now. It's the directorial debut of Rada Blank. And I found this movie to, to be quite delightful. It almost so made good. it onto my um, yeah. onto my top 10. It was just barely missed the top 10, but it was it's really good. Uh it's it's about basically who controls the ability to create art. Uh, in America and like what, as a result of that, like what the art ends up being, it's kind of a like, like a opening salvo against, you know, Broadway shows like Hamilton from my perspective, like basically stuff that, (laughs) that is ostensibly, you know, uh, very good on the representation and diversity front, but ultimately is made for the consumption of white liberals Mm -hmm. uh, or, or it ends up being primarily consumed by white liberals. And, uh so I, I found it to be in like very trenchant and also very very funny. Um it is uh quite long. It's over 2 hours and Rada Blanc has tweeted about this. She's like, "You know what? First of all, she uh she took the title 40-year-old virgin kind of borrowing it from Jerapata movie. Yeah, yeah. And it was very intentional that um that it was that because it's like, "Hey, we like we should have our version of this kind of story but also uh she was saying how like jada movies are pretty long and you know you never when you're making a movie when you're making a movie you never know when you're gonna make the next one so she's like i'm just gonna get out everything i want to say on this yeah Yeah. uh and you know uh i don't know that in quote-unquote needed to be that long but i think the movie is highly enjoyable i'd highly recommend it divinger you've seen it as well right
1: i've seen it i love it uh i think she's hilarious and also like you know this is a movie about a playwright kind of discovering the power of rhyme, right? And her, her, I don't know, like Don Quixote-esque quest to become a rapper. And I think it's it's great. It's hilarious. And also, uh, the rap she comes up with are very good. And this is something Rada Blank has done in real life, and she's very good at it. So yeah, check this out.
0: Yeah, uh, that's the 40-year-old version. It's available right now on Netflix. Speaking of Netflix, also had a chance to check out Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, which is uh, I think uh, based on the August Wilson
1: mm-hmm.
0: play. Uh, and uh, this also was something I watched like thinking it might make my top 10. Didn't make my top 10. Uh, I I didn't find the story it tells to be particularly compelling for me personally. But what I can say is Chadwick Boseman is God-tier good in this like he good. is yeah. ridic- It is worth watching Ma Rainey's Black Bottom just to see chadwick boseman obviously viola davis is great as always but like what chadwick boseman does in this movie in my opinion is just incredible and I, i'm not i'm not gonna say anything about it because i think you should just watch it uh but he is tremendous and i think uh again he makes this movie worth watching davinder
1: you've also seen this one right i have i have it's a uh, you know i think it, it does very much feel like a play but the performances are fantastic and i think it pre- presents this idea of a woman who has a very specific kind of power you know uh what what Ma Rainey can do. And uh, as somebody who created, you know, a very specific type of music, she, she wields a certain amount of power, but also needs to demand it from the world. I found that really fascinating. Yeah,
0: I, I agree. And I should point out like, yeah, it, it's, it tells a story that I think is, remains quite relevant and, and honestly like fit in quite well with the themes of 40 year old version, to be honest with mm-hmm, you. Mm-hmm. So that's a good, like double feature 40 year old. version of oh, yeah, Ma Rainey's black bottom. So, uh, Jeff can I, let me ask you this question. So you have not seen for, uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom yet, right? Um, not yet,
2: but I'm very much looking forward to it. Like I said, I'm a big August Wilson fan, so
0: yeah. So this was a debate I saw playing out online, which is that uh, it is very obvious when you're watching Ma Rainey's Black Bottom that this is a play, This was adapted yes. from a play, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think there's like this debate online. I saw like is like some people have been dinging the movie because of that. And that, I don't know that that makes sense to me. Like, is it the job of a movie based on a play to disguise that it was based on a play? Do you know what I mean? Like, I don't, right. I don't know. You know what I mean? Like, I, I think. Yeah, it's, I've never yeah. thought so.
2: But yeah, I don't think so I'm a, either. Very, I'm a very edge case in this scenario. Right, because you, lo- you love, you love, you know, the theater and like, stuff, right? Oh, I do. Just, I love yeah, the- just
1: a camera on two people. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
2: Let them talk.
1: Quiet. Yeah. Don't
2: Don't edit. Just keep it rolling.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Sure. Uh, so you, you don't think it is uh, as well. I mean, to, to no. Be fair, I
2: fair, I can, I can understand the perspective in the sense that one hopes that the nature of the medium, the mm-hmm. the film medium is leveraged in some way to, right. to transcend the limits of the play. Right. Yeah. So the yeah. play is only able to do certain things because it's human beings standing in a place and, in front of other human beings and the the camera can do all kinds of magic. It can go anywhere. It can be any, you know, in any position, uh, it can cut quickly. It can do all kinds of crazy things. I understand people feeling like, well, leverage that ability in the creation yeah, yeah, of yeah. film, but I don't, I don't think that always has to be the case, right? it's, mm-hmm. The intimacy of the camera being close to actors yes, performing yes. a play is already uh, additive, in my opinion. So, hundred uh, percent agree. Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And I will say this: like the uh, the last of these uh, August Wilson plays, I remember that was uh, translated translate to scream was uh, Fences. Fences right? yeah. 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 And that one to me feels even more like. Oh, this is just straight up a play, and this is this is that was a role that you know Denzel Washington had played, uh, you know, on stage, I believe, on Broadway. So he was mm-hmm. intimately familiar with it and felt like he just wanted to really capture the essence of the play rather than make something that felt cinematic. And it's fine; it's a it's a good movie; yeah, it's worth I, watching. But I think this actually uses cinema as a medium much much more. I I think there's a even, but I would say to what Jeff's saying, even if mm-hmm. it does not.
0: There's still value in something like this because it's there's like value, right. maybe sure, sure. I could never maybe I would have never seen the play. You know what I mean? I just mm-hmm. think there's yeah. value in capturing that stuff. But, but hey, but I'm then, the guy like, that The why are you watching a
1: movie rather than like a stage, a film version of the stage play, right? Right. Like I feel like it. Uh, which, you're, you're, which I would also be okay with. Sure. You know? Sure. <laughs> but I, I, I agree would, with you.
2: Even the most rudimentary film version of a play mm-hmm. does things that the play does not. It's does, does, yeah, like different than yeah. watching yeah. Hamilton, for example, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it, it is, there is no audience. It, the camera is very, very close to the actor's faces, you know, right. and there are plenty of, I think Doubt is a great film. One of my favorite films mm-hmm. of all time. Mm-hmm. And it's just a play you know it's but it's uh, i could ca- i could list half a dozen other movies that i think are incredible films that are just plays on film but they aren't hamilton right they aren't like there's an audience and we just put a, mm-hmm. put a put a camera in front of the thing that's already happening on stage it really is reinventing it it's just not reinventing it in grand cinematic terms and and i i've i've never had a problem with that i think to to capture you know someone like meryl streep's performance in doubt close up and 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 with different lenses and and all of the things that you do to make a film a film i i find has incredible value for me as a viewer
0: all right uh well i'm i'm glad we're we're mostly aligned on this but check out ma rainey's black bottom on netflix see what you think of it all right finally i wanted to just shout out real quickly that uh, I was invited by friend of the show Dan Trachtenberg to appear on a podcast called Screen Drafts. Uh, Screen Drafts is a podcast where people collaborate to make best
2: of lists. So, like best. Wait a minute! You didn't? You weren't? You weren't inspired by me being on that show on that podcast? Uh,
0: <laughs> I, I I can't say I was um, because I wasn't aware of it. Did you plug? I did, did the uh,
2: definitive fantasy of. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons fantasy list uh, just oh. uh, about a year ago.
0: Oh, uh, well. Did you uh, did you invite me to appear on the podcast with you, Jeff? Because uh, well, I don't. I don't as remember. I was being... invited
2: myself. No, I was. Oh, okay. uh, I right, was not right. my position to invite oh. someone. But
0: okay. Well, anyway. Um. So Dan Trachtenberg invited me to rank the films of John Woo. And this was a delightful thing to to do. And but the thing is, you know, I basically never appear on other podcasts. Like I. In a given year, I'll appear on like three uh, guest spots on other podcasts because uh, people can probably you hate tell. podcasts. I mean, I hate po- <laughs> I hate it with a
2: passion, right? Yeah. So yeah, well, no, why but, give
1: fuel to your competitors,
2: right? You've got to keep the special ingredients in our sauce. You know what yeah. I'm saying?
0: <laughs> but uh, it's it's mostly because I'm maintaining, you know, the podcast and my Patreon and my own podcast. You know, like I have a bunch of stuff I got to do that takes up enough of my time each week. And so uh, don't really uh, have time to appear on other shows. Um, but I was like, this is, this is too good of an opportunity to pass up. Cause I, John Woo is one of the reasons I fell in love with movies in the first place. Mm-hmm. So, I said to Dan Trachtenberg, okay, like I can do this podcast, but I can probably only watch like three to four John movies, uh, three to four John Woo movies. I ended up watching like 10 John Woo movies um, because, because like once I started watching them, I'm like, oh man, first of all, there's a lot of John Woo's catalog I actually haven't yeah, seen yeah. yet. And I just was having a blast watching these movies. I was just having so much fun remembering why I fell in love with movies in the first place. Devinder, obviously um, a huge touch point for you and me as we started, you know, uh, our journey of uh, loving film together like John Woo is a inflection point for us mm-hmm. um, and so i just wanted to to give a shout out to John Woo but also to say it is a, a a cinematic tragedy that John Woo's movies are so difficult to obtain yeah and what i mean by that is you cannot even buy them on streaming like some of some of his greatest films I'm thinking of like hard-boiled. It's difficult to buy hard-boiled on streaming. Um, It's difficult to buy the killer on streaming. These are regarded as some of the best action movies of all time. These are movies that influenced people like the Wachowskis, Robert Rodriguez, Quentin Tarantino, like hugely influential movies. They're just completely unavailable. I'm pretty sure the re- the the reason I have a hard boiled blu-ray is because it came with my copy of Stranglehold for PlayStation yes. 3. Yeah. That was the only way to get a <laughs> um, blu-ray for a while.
1: Yeah. And yeah. it's just
0: like and it's a solid copy of the movie but it's just like what like there's no other way to get this movie? Is it? so here's so I I'm, I'm basically I'm like buying used DVDs of like Once a Thief on eBay to prepare for this episode of the podcast. And I guess what I have to say about this is if you love John Woo I'd urge you or if if you're interested in John I'd urge you to try to acquire his discs on physical media because mm-hmm. you never know when they're going to become unavailable like it's not like they're easy to, even the discs aren't easy to find right it's not like you can't buy it on streaming it's not even like you can easily buy it on disc um and I'd start with movies like The Killer and Hardboiled and I also hope like Criterion or somewhere one day will We'll put these things together. Like, I also is it a out, rights issue? Do
2: you know anything uh, yeah, about my, this? my my
0: guess is it's a rights issue. I also say that, like, even once. So <laughs> it, it was interesting. Basically, these were movies you had to work really hard to find, and it brought it brought, yeah, it brought yeah. me and Dan back to like college days when you're like, yeah, when your friend like Blef Blanada might have been torrenting movies, for example, to like, oh man, get well, get access to these. Foreign films that you can't even buy in the U.S. Right?
2: I was I was so with you uh, on the, when you said college days, and then the next thing you said made me realize: oh, we went to college at very different times. <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. But... My my college experience. I mean, my college experience in the '90s was going down to the video store and getting the DVDs of all of the John Woo movies as they came in because. Like we were in, you know, I was, I, one of my best friends in college was a film studies guy and we like, we discovered John Woo in the dorms and it was like, holy shit, you can get these DVD and a DVD had just come out when I was in college. And so we were getting DVDs as they were being released. Like the DVD shelf at the video store in my college town had all the DVDs that had been released, right? Uh-huh. They had, and it was one uh-huh. shelf, you know, <laughs> and in that was, it was the killer and the hard-boiled. And, we, it was like, what? This is mind blowing. This is incredible. And um, well, to, to it was be all fair, I, I had that too.
0: I had that too. It was a like a sketchy shop in Chinatown that I was buying this from. But you know, <laughs> there, there, the torrenting was also a, a reality uh, back in my yeah, day as yeah. well. Uh, but the thing is, even even if and th- there's there's like kind of a rewarding feeling of working really hard to obtain this thing that yes. no one else has. Yeah, and like being uh, able to watch it and being like, my precious. You know, like I've I was able to yeah. like. Get this thing, and there's there's an there's a thrill to that, uh, coupled with the sadness that other people can't experience it. But in a, in addition to that, though, even after you go on that journey, it's still often like a really shitty transfer with subtitles that often make no sense. I'm like reading
1: burned the, into the picture.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm reading like the <laughs> Wikipedia plot summary of this. I'm watching a Better Tomorrow Part Two, and it has the black bars on the right and left and top and bottom. You know what I mean? It's just just all black bars. It's a little postage stamp in the middle of my OLED TV screen, you know? And it's just like, even after working my ass off to get it, you're still only get like a really shitty version of it. So Mm -hmm. the whole thing is kind of a bummer. Was this shot at the
2: two by two ratio? (laughs) Because I didn't even think that was
0: a thing. (laughs) It's like uh, 300 pixels by 300 pixels. Anyway. So (laughs) the whole thing is, is really sad that like these, these movies, which are so influential, it's so hard to watch them. And even if you succeed, it's often like a really crappy format. So yeah, yeah. Um, if, you, if you are able to obtain John Woo DVDs or Blu-rays, get them. Because you never know when even those aren't going to be available. But I think mm-hmm. they're hugely influential. And if you want to start, The Killer and Hard Boiled. Girl, uh, you, you seem to have something to say about this. I mean, I'm just
1: saying. You, you could get The Killer right now, Dave. The Criterion Edition on DVD for $300. <laughs> that's, that's kind of where we are right it's now. As rare as,
0: uh, it's as rare as the Armageddon uh, criterion disc. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, um, there, there was a hard boiled criterion, and now, uh, yeah, impossible to get. So uh, I think you can get it on eBay for like 30 bucks, Divindra. So it's not that bad. But I'm
1: I'm looking right now. I'm just seeing like the things coming up. It is uh, the cheapest pre-owned is yeah 160. New is 300. So if you have it new in box, that's uh yeah. That's, uh, oh, the, the that's new. Yeah, I see the new right there. The new is
0: like 100. I see 150 here. There's yeah, one true. available right now. Yeah. So
2: yeah. It's, get uh, those DVDs and then do not open them. That's our <laughs> advice to you,
0: <laughs> Jeff. I know you are on a crusade against physical media, but let me have. I'm this not. One,
2: okay? I'm not. I'm let I'm not. I was I was persuaded by Tenet.
0: Yeah. Uh, so check out the films of John Woo, specifically Hard Boiled, specifically The Killer, um, and also uh, I, uh, me and Dan Trachtenberg, we ranked the top seven films of John Woo on Screen Drafts podcast. It is right.
2: uh, it is a remarkable uh, thing that 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 sense of the uh, finding the the rare mm-hmm. thing and coveting the rare thing. And I keep so thinking about hard. my kids yeah. you know, who basically like what they experience about media is just speaking what they want out <laughs> into the air. And then it appears for them, you know, yeah, like, yeah. they want a song to play any song they've ever heard of. They just speak its name and it plays for them. You know, it's there, like, there,
0: there are some prominent film critics who I will not call out on the podcast, but like their opinion of piracy has changed completely. Like, Piracy, mm-hmm. like in the in the early days, like oh, this is terrible! How dare you like take food from the mouths of like people who are like working hard on these films? Like the opinion has gone from that to people who pirate things are like preservationists because basically, like <laughs> it is the only like arguably for some people it's the only way they can watch a movie like A Better Tomorrow Part Two. Like yeah. you can't you literally can't buy it, mm-hmm. um, and so like pirating the movie, passing it on, it's the only way these movies are ever going to be remembered. I'm not going to come down on one side or the other of that. Uh, except to say i do you think you watched both, better
2: tomorrow part two this week
0: <laughs> except to say, no. I, okay th- true story true story uh i i uh found a disc of a better tomorrow two in my collection that i had purchased from a sketchy ass uh chinatown dvd shop like literally 15 years ago Very that's nice. how so i that's watched why you, you never throw out your media that's yeah. why you and that's why you never throw out your discs okay uh that is what I've been watching this week. It's time to thank one of our sponsors for this episode, Paint Your Life. At Paint Your Life, you can get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price. And with Valentine's Day coming up, I think this is a great idea uh, for a gift. Uh, If you want to celebrate Valentine's Day in style, get a painting. Uh, Get a painting of a photo. It is so cool. Uh, It looks like so much work and effort and care was put into it because it is... At Paint Your Life, you can choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. The user-friendly platform lets you order a custom-made hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. I've used the platform. It is so easy to get a painting. It's it's scarily easy, to be honest with you. It's like, whoa, I can't believe that was so fast. But don't let that fool you. The final product uh, is a meaningful personal gift that can be cherished forever. Uh, You can send them any picture, uh, either yourself, your children, your family, a special place, a cherished pet, or you can combine photos into one painting. This is really useful because a lot of us can't be together in person right now, and combining photos in one painting is a way to create a scene, a situation, a group of people in an image that can exist in real life. And uh, that is particularly meaningful during this time we're all living through right now. So, I really enjoy and appreciate this platform. At PaintYourLife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, text the word FILM to 64000. That's FILM to 64000. Text FILM to 64000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com slash terms. Again, text film to 64000.
2: Hey, it's time to talk about our sponsor, Netgear. Is your Wi-Fi struggling to keep up with your streaming, your work, your gaming, your video calling, and more? What about all of those things all at once? Well, when you're connected to your world by Wi-Fi, as we all are right now, you got to be sure it's the best. Bring your Wi-Fi up to speed with the Orbi Wi-Fi 6 from Netgear. Orbi Wi-Fi 6 is the best and latest in Wi-Fi. It covers your entire home with unmatched speeds and performance for uninterrupted working and learning, video calling, and streaming at home on more devices than ever before in any part of the house. With Wi-Fi this advanced, you're going to want it everywhere. Ready for the best Wi-Fi ever? Find out what makes Netgear America's number one choice for Wi-Fi at netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi. That's netgear.com slash best Wi-Fi.
0: David, your heart, what have you watched this week?
2: Uh, You
1: know, a couple of things, too, that I, I was watching to deal with our end-of-year uh, list. I saw Bloody Nose Empty Pockets, which is a really unique film. Um, it is ostensibly about like the final day of a Las Vegas dive bar. Um what it and it in its construction and in everything, it looks just like a documentary about this actual bar. But it's a weird sort of like uh, fictional project too because the uh the directors Bill Ross and Turner Ross uh basically The Ross brothers the the Ross right? Bros, you know not to be confused with the Russo bros. Correct. Uh, very different films. Very different bros. <laughs> Um, they basically, uh, I think around New Orleans, uh, they, they went to different bars and they looked for people who were like the most interesting people, you know, the most interesting bar flies. And I think in other places around the country too. And they brought them all to New Orleans and filmed this thing that is supposed to be set in Las Vegas. Right. And they kind of just let them go and let them be their personalities, uh, but kind of gave them the guide of like, okay, this is the last day of this bar. You guys have been friends for so long. Um, So it's kind of a construction in that weird way. And they just kind of let them go and filmed it to see what, what came out of it. And the result is a really interesting movie. Um, I don't know if you guys have ever spent much time in bars or at least have gone enough to a local bar to, you know, to know the regulars and to like know the people and know the bartenders and everything. And I think it, it just feels really nostalgic in this time where we shouldn't be doing that, you know, not for any time soon. Uh, it does make me feel sad about uh, all the bars that I used to go to uh, in New York and the like little, the little like dingy holes in places that are kind of dirty and kind of messy, but I like the vibe or I like the bartender. Or I like the way this couch, you know, feels so I can watch the rest of the bar or something. And it really made me miss having those spaces because we've lost them. And I think a lot of them forever. Um, Yeah. So it just made me sad about that. I I never went out drinking enough to be like a regular at a bar. Uh, I'm not the sort of person like who would just go hang out weekly or nightly at a bar. But after work, sure. That's what journalists do. You know, it's kind of the thing. Um, So, yeah, I think it's a really fun look at bar culture and these people who all have really interesting stories. It's worth a watch. It's also uh, it's like a little more than 90 minutes. It's a really easy, breezy watch. And uh, yeah, I'd recommend it. Cool, it's bloody nose,
0: empty pockets, and uh, mm-hmm. I think the Ross brothers are very skilled documentarians. So I'll try to check this one out. What
1: yeah. else have you been watching, Devendra? I checked out the show that I didn't know existed, but it's called Mister Mayor. You guys, you guys heard of this?
2: Is this nope. the Ted Danson show? This is a Ted Danson
1: show. Oh, this yeah. is a Tina yeah. Fey show. Tina Fey and Robert Carlock, another one of those things, because um, they've been building, sh- you know, making shows together forever. Um, but yeah, Ted Danson. Holly Hunter is in this. Um, Bobby Moynihan is in this. It is, it is a really cute, you know, easy breezy bit of a sitcom. And it's funny because it was, I guess it was shot amid COVID too. So like COVID is a is part of the plot line that I think is kinda kinda hilarious. Um the the kind of plot of the show is that Ted Danson becomes mayor almost accidentally after the former mayor played by Benito Martinez of The Shield, love that guy, um, goes insane because COVID and because 2020 and because everything, he just goes insane and kind of leaves the door open for this guy. Is that it's a, a, the Shield? It's Aceveda. Aceveda. Yeah. yeah. It's Aceveda. Yeah. He is, he's fantastic. He's great. It's so good. Uh, but the show, it's just like, it is not, it's nowhere near something like Parks and Rec, but it is like a Parks and Rec-like uh, light type of show. Uh, it's about, you know, civil government and kind of the things you can do. And it's about Ted Danson being, being really cool and chill and funny and working out, you know, working with his teenage daughter who is also trying to do, you know, student government and Holly Hunter is his nemesis. And I think it is probably worth watching just for her because she gets to be really weird. She's like the, uh, the council member that is just wants to be mayor really badly and just devotes her life to destroying his. And she's like the super eco warrior and everything. Um, it's a, it's a nice light show. I think almost immediately it kind of leads back into the thing that Tina Fey started to love making fun of a couple years ago, which was just like wokeness and cancel culture and whatnot. And after a point, I'm just like, that's why I stopped watching, uh, Kimmy Schmidt, you know, because there was the episode with the geisha outfit that I don't think I'll ever forgive her for. So... This show doesn't really aim that high, but I think it's uh, as a sitcom, as like a easy breezy thing. I think it's it's worth watching like it's on Hulu. I put it on and when you don't want to think about democracy falling apart, it is nice to see a a simple show about a semi-functional, you know, city government. Um, So, yeah, it's really cute. uh, Worth checking out. Uh, I just wish it was better. You know, I feel like I wish it was aiming higher. That's Mr.
0: Mayor. It's on NBC. I think you'd also watch it on Peacock. Check sure, it out there. All right, Devinder,
1: anything else you're watching? <laughs> A couple other things. So let me, let me tell you guys, after last Wednesday, you know, th- things were kind of rough. I was just like feeling not so great about this country. So I needed some comfort food and something, you know, to really brighten up the mood. So I decided to catch up on the Steven Universe movie, which uh, came out last year, I think. Um, I love the show. Steven Universe is one of those great kids shows that is informed uh, Rebecca Sugar the creator is informed by also all the anime i watched growing up too so we're seeing western creators sort of like with avatar the last airbender making these new narratives building in anime and their own you know everything else that they love into gr- great new creations Steven universe was a great show and it uh the Last season finale, you know, before the before the movie, uh, ended in a way that kind of just wrapped up everything in a huge, epic, universe-changing way. And I was thinking, like, where where else can they really take this show and this series? The movie is a musical that is sort of like an interlude between the last season and the final season, which is Steven Universe Future. And it's kind of funny because it is. After I think six seasons, uh, he turns from a little kid into a teenager and he starts to deal with more adult problems, but I love the show. I love the characters and the environment. It's such a beautiful, warm, funny, inclusive show. It's a show that's all about emotional intelligence and how to, you know, how to live and how to coexist and also, you know, how to, how to fight the demons that are trying to destroy your society. Um, it's a really smart show. I actually started watching Steven Universe with uh, with Sophia and she's just really digging it too because it's just very like colorful and musical and she's, you know, digging all those vibes. But if you just want something that'll make you happy and put you in a good mood, I highly recommend Steven Universe. It's all on HBO Max right now. The movie is fantastic, has such a great, great soundtrack and future is the final season which I'm going through right now and I'm freaking loving it. So if you've liked my animation picks in the past, check out Steven Universe yeah it, it, it's steven universe or is it steven universe future or both uh steven universe is the original show steven universe the movie is the movie uh, the interlude and then steven universe future is the final season basically of the show but i oh. think they, they just called it a different series but yeah essentially just another season of the show
0: got it all right and it's all on hbo max that's all what on hbo David max Hardor so good watching yeah Okay, Jeff Kanata, you got one thing you want to talk about, and we're probably going to need to talk spoilers for it, but like why don't you give us your overall impression, and then we'll give a spoiler warning. People can skip forward if they don't want to listen.
2: Yeah, we mentioned this a little bit last week. Uh, On your recommendation, Dave, I watched the documentary The Painter and the Thief. uh, First of all, let me just pause and say, thanks for checking out one of my recommendations, Jeff. That that uh, Oh, I do it all the time, man. Uh, I do it all the time. You know? Uh, Both of you guys. Um... I'll be honest, mostly Devendra. But both of you guys, most all the time. Um, Painter and the Thief, uh, I found to be riveting watching, fascinating watching uh, an incredible story. Um, I don't even want to spoil it for anybody, but it is, I I think Dave has mentioned before the the basic plot of someone steals a painting from a a painter in Norway. And uh, she, in tracking down... Who did it? Uh, starts learning about the culprit, and the movie becomes this investigation of of the kind of person he is, and the kind of person she is, and the intersection point of their lives. And it's it is really incredible. In fact, my wife, who watched it with me, kept saying over and over, "Is this a recreation? How did they possibly get all this footage?" It's it's yeah. quite quite amazing that the camera was there for a lot of the stuff that is seen um and uh it really well filmed beautiful uh it it made me introspective and uh think you know made me think about the world and the way we treat criminals in this in this country in particular um fascinating movie i highly recommend
0: all right that's the painter and the thief and it's available via hulu right now and did you want to talk about some spoilers for the movie
2: yeah, if we have it, just a, a yeah, minute or do, two, let's and, do
0: like uh, like f- uh, up to five minutes of spoilers for the painter and the thief. So if you don't want to be spoiled, tune out. But uh, we're going to yeah. talk about spoilers for the painter and the thief, which you should check out on Hulu right now. Okay? Yeah,
2: there's there, there's some twists and turns that I I would I would say are worth protecting you from uh, spoilers wise, but it it is definitely worth watching. Um, so
0: I, I'll just start by saying like the moment when the thief quote unquote sees uh, it's, his the painting of himself. Yeah. For the first time, is there's one of like the that best moments of any movie I've seen in yeah. the, the year 2020.
2: Yeah, right. Like it's it's, just- it's one of the great things that has been captured on film ever. Yes, yes. <laughs> it is it's extremely. It powerful. is hu- human, and uh, I mean the it, it is it's a it's a it's a full masterclass for an actor because you watch a human being going through something in real time, and you go, my god. How can you capture that as an actor and like live that moment? True, it is utterly gobsmacking what you witness. It is powerful. It is human. It is real. It, it, it is you know unmistakable as a human moment. I, I yes, that moment. That moment alone is worth watching the entire movie for. Uh, but I think the movie itself has a lot of really interesting things to say, and I came away with. I mean, it's interesting. I saw this before the events. At the at the Capitol this week, so I don't know how my opinion would have been influenced <laughs> yeah, by that. Because
0: basically, like what you're what you're supposed to be left with watching the movie is like, wow, the power of forgiveness is so strong. Yes, right? yes. Like yes. and redemption. forgiveness is such a potent force. Meanwhile, yeah. we've just been like our capital has just been violated, right? Like, yeah. and so it's like.
2: Yeah, forgiveness I mean, I, is, I,
0: is not the first emotion many of us are reaching for right
2: now. <laughs> right? No, right now it's like th- there is real evil in the world, and fuck these people. Uh, right. But the movie makes me go, oh my god! You know, you y- y- you judge a person by one act, and you don't know what kind of person they really are. And there's so <laughs> yeah. much to learn about a human being. About- human beings are full 360 degree creatures that you know have all these things that have happened to them in their lives, and one moment of criminality does not define them. And then you know, one week later, I'm like. Fuck the criminals, you know? Uh, so it, it's a roller coaster inside my brain. You're not just one thing either, Jeff. That's, uh, <laughs> it's that's true, what I learned. It's true. Just, that's what I but, yeah. you know, it's it's extraordinary. One big takeaway that the movie doesn't point at, but I couldn't help but notice, is the criminal justice system in Norway is incredible. I mean- yeah. In, yeah, the, I, the, I, I pointed yeah. this out
0: in my What We've Been Watching, I believe. It's just that like-
2: Yeah, this this notion of- our prison system and how it it dehumanizes people who are put in prison and yet here we are in norway my wife sitting next to me they show this this guy in prison and my wife goes it looks like a hotel room It's
0: like there yeah. are there are new york apartments that are smaller and shittier than what this guy stays in 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 prison right
2: yeah. and he gets he gets like a regular uh psychiatric evaluations yeah. and um psychiatrist visits and he, I mean it is dealing with criminality not as pu- punishment but as a problem to be worked on rehabilitation. right it is
0: right
2: yeah exactly rehabilitation and the recidivism rates in Norway are extremely low right it mm-hmm. works it works and here this guy also gets out of prison and gets a job that no ex-con in America would be able to get you know, like he actually has a life post prison that is productive and, and you know, uh, useful. <laughs> and it's it's just it's just really stark the contrast between what we do to people that are incarcerated, how we treat them, how we dehumanize them, how we make their their lives even worse. And there are other countries in this world that go, "Oh, you did something that we as a society find intolerable." we are going to show you why you need to reenter society and be better mm-hmm. instead of just punishing you and telling you, you are an animal that is to be caged. And I, I just found that so powerful because this dude really does get out of prison, a better person than he went in. And I don't know how many people you can say that about in America, you know?
0: Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, it sounds like this this movie really hit
2: you. Um, it did. Was it yeah. in
0: contention for your top ten? Just out of curiosity, it was. I, think
2: that, it, I mentioned, a, a, uh, I think, during our episode how uh, my list was in flux quite frequently, and it rotated in and out a couple of times. But I could, I you know, it could very well have been on my list. It, it's a it's a really impressive movie, and I think a great documentary. If you like documentaries, it's 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 full of hope. It's full. It's full of beauty. It, it, it is you know you end up coming away with it coming away from it um wondering who really has uh, the more of the more problems right the the painter it, you find things out about her as well it's not right. just about the the thief you know it's it's quite remarkable
0: i actually reached out to her uh cuz in the movie she kind of has like uh financial challenges <laughs> i actually reached yeah. out and was like can i like commission work from you i, I think she's doing a lot better now from my sense because I think the movie
2: brought her work a lot of attention she's a hugely
0: talented painter
2: it's incredible Um, that's another thing that happens in the movie is that you realize the art world is fucked Cause like I look at her paintings and you're like, I'm like, that, that is a level of talent that I yes. can't even Incredible. fathom. And, and then she's on so the you're phone like, with this these person's, art-
0: This person's obviously like a millionaire, right? Yeah, like- right. This is this
2: is <laughs> a level of talent that is off the charts. She must be, uh, so, you know, I just maybe just not heard her name because I'm not in the loop and <laughs> this stuff, but clearly she's, and then like in the movie, she's like, no, we don't want your paintings. No, no, nobody wants those. Oh, those old things. Nobody wants them. It's like, what, what? how is this possible? Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I, I think that um, the thing about this movie is right. You've already said it a lot better than I'm about to say it, so I don't even know why I'm continuing. But I'm going to press forward anyway, Jeff. And that's never stopped uh, you before. It's never stopped me before. And that's like it shows you the power of of um, what what can happen if you don't reach for revenge as your primary emotion. Right? Like this woman had a gr- like a grave injustice done to her which was she she created a work of art that was beautiful and that was very meaningful to her like she she created it at a time in, her, time in her life that was like an inflection point point. and this art was just brutally like ripped from her hands not literally but metaphorically and the person who did it was caught and rather than direct hatred at that person rather than direct anger at that person she directed curiosity at that person.
2: Yeah, curiosity. And, That's a great way to put it, Dave. Curiosity. Yeah. Not and, even not even like love or compassion, it was curiosity first.
0: Just like what yeah. is yeah, what's going? Let me let me understand. And you know, yeah. um you I think we'd all be better off if we seek to understand before seeking to be understood, of course that doesn't necessarily apply in all cases. <laughs>
2: <laughs> let me I know we're probably past our uh our spoiler time uh quote that we gave to people so uh, forgive me maybe last, maybe we can,
0: yeah, the, bring it home bring it home one maybe, maybe we here.
2: can uh talk about one one final big spoiler thing in a yes. vague enough way i'm very curious what your opinion of the last image of the movie is i don't know if i remember i watched this like a month oh,
0: ago or two months what ago. oh
2: dude i it i was <laughs> shook <laughs> shook by the last image of the movie now it's, now it's the like, painting that she ends up making oh yeah yeah
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. Now you now now you're here. Now you've arrived. (laughs) Uh, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. uh, A little weirded out by it. Little weirded out
2: by it. Shook. (laughs) Like it almost made me go. I I don't know what I think about this movie anymore. (laughs) You know, but I don't. I think she was making an artistic statement. But it also is like after Hmm. everything we've seen in this movie, that last image. I was like, what? what, what, Yeah. 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 Well, anyway, if you want to experience.
0: (laughs) Whatever the hell Jeff just said, (laughs) watch The Painter and the Thief, available right now on Hulu.
2: Hey, let me jump in here and tell you about our sponsor, Quip. Now, you brush, you floss, but do you chew gum? Gum is the unsung hero when it comes to better oral health. The American Dental Association recommends chewing sugar-free gum for 20 minutes after meals. That's right. And it was only a few short years ago that Quip reinvented the toothbrush for the modern age. I've been loving my Quip toothbrush, but they've done it again, and this time for chewing gum. They've launched a new gum that's actually good for your oral health and comes with a dispenser that'll remind you of the one-click candy that you loved as a kid. That's right. It's so cool to pop out the little piece of gum, pop it in your mouth, and actually know you're doing good oral health. Quip gum can help prevent cavities and freshen breath. You gotta chew it for 20 minutes after eating, but it's sugar free and it has tooth friendly xylitol with zero calories. And that doesn't mean it doesn't taste good. Quip added a long lasting mint flavor, crunchy tri layer design, and they stamped it all with the classic Quip tongue. Plus, it's got a slim travel ready dispenser that's available in five colors metal or plastic. It protects up to 10 gum pieces at a time, and it fits in just about any purse or pocket for on the go. That's pretty great. Add in a gum refill plan for a gift that keeps on giving all year round. Quip's customizable subscription lets you chew and share at your own pace, and you never have to worry about running out. Plus, the more you buy, the more you save with bulk discounts on extra gum packs. This is not a substitute for brushing or flossing, but this is a great support for your oral health. Pair it with uh, the Quip electric toothbrush for adults and kids, the refillable floss, and more great products right now for a complete New Year oral health regimen. In addition to gum gumbacks, Quip also delivers fresh brush head floss and toothpaste refills every three months from five bucks. Shipping is always free, so you can save money and skip the misery of in-store shopping. So, If you go to getquip.com slash filmcast right now, you can get a free plastic dispenser with any refill plan. That's a free dispenser at getquip.com slash filmcast. It's spelled G-E-T-Q-U-I-P dot com slash F-I-L-M-C-A-S-T. Quip, the good habits company.
0: All right, folks, Uh, that's what we've been watching. It's time for the main event, the Thunderdome of the listener mail got so many questions to get to we're going to try to get to as many of them as possible let's start with this email that was sent to slash filmcast at gmail.com
2: we need dave we need a listener mail bumper at some point if we're going to do it's this so true regularity you know we're going to we're going to need some <laughs> sort of letters we're getting letters you know not to rip off dave letterman but we need something like that
0: <laughs> why, why don't you he, he, <laughs> let jeff let me ask you extemporize a listener mailbag theme right now mm. just just use your improv skills do it do it
2: emails from the Email bag. That's pretty good. See, that's pretty the, pretty good. theoretically there's a bag of emails that we're looking at. <laughs> I you know? see. It's kind of weird. You're kind of mixing the metaphors there. Yeah, yeah that's what I like about somebody.
0: It. Maybe somebody out there, some enterprising musician out there, can take that thing that Jeff just did, whatever that was, no, and fashion that. that into something. So that has been done before. Uh, stranger things have happened. Okay. Uh, I don't know that we're going to make listener mailbags a main part of the main show, but they will definitely be a, a main feature of the After Darks, which again, are available at patreon.com slash film podcast. Okay. This comes in from Sasha from Kyoto, Japan. Sasha writes in to slash com, and they are also a patron, by the way. Uh, they say, uh, I'm not sure if it's having kids, the thin veil of civilization growing even thinner over the past couple of years or just getting older, but I find that lately I don't have the stomach for movie violence I used to have. I'm a huge martial arts movie fan and I started watching Gangs of London based on your recommendation and while I can appreciate how well choreographed the action scenes are I found myself skipping through some of them because of the excessive cruelty and meanness I had the same reaction to John Wick and even something as tame as the Mandalorian ended up bothering me a bit due to the um, due to a character murdering hundreds of faceless grunts episode (laughs) after episode what's going on is this normal and how can I go back to not caring about the suffering of my fellow human beings end quote that's from Sasha so Yeah. So, uh, Mm -hmm. does the, do the events of the world hit you differently when it comes to movie violence? Yeah.
2: Um, I mean, mean, this is me, this is, this is me, this is, this is me. And I, I, I've actually kind of feel bad that I've developed this reputation on the show as being this sort of delicate flower that is, can't watch possessor and other, other movies. I never used to be like that. I was like, yeah, yeah. Give me more, give me more. I'm into it. Whatever it is, give me the, I I would, I would down for whatever, you know, in my my younger days and whatever combination of the horrors of the real world and becoming a parent and getting older or whatever you want to say, mm -hmm. I am in this, in this boat as well. So uh, at least you have company. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but you have company.
1: I feel like you and the uh, the letter writer Jeff just both have working empathy, you know, centers in your bodies yeah. right now, and Dave and I are just broken. So, well, okay, <laughs> let me let me let me put this up. let me put this yeah. out
0: there, okay? Which is that uh, I would say that my tolerance for like car- quote unquote cartoonish movie violence has gone up. Yeah, yeah. And what I mean by that is, I would argue, Gangs of London is cartoonish movie violence. It is so what, cartoonish. Yeah, what I yeah. what I mean by that is like I, like it's so over the top that I just don't even, it it doesn't feel like it's of this world. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't, doesn't, I don't compare it to like events of this world. Um, Let me give you some examples of, um, of movie violence that's not like that. Uh, I would say anything by Paul Greengrass (laughs) or or not, not anything by Paul Greengrass, but the Paul Greengrass stuff based on real life. So like United 93 or Bloody Sunday, like, that is not over the top cartoonish violence. That's like very grounded violence, and that stuff I have probably a greater difficulty with these days. But mm-hmm. movie it shows stuff like Gangs of London. It's just like, hey, this is over the top. I don't need to, or the raid, or whatever. You know, um, I don't need, or or hard boiled, or the killer, or right, face off. Right. Like, I don't need to like these aren't these aren't really of our world, really. So I don't, I don't really see, or even the John Wick franchise. I'd argue, yeah, it's so I, over I the top, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I, I I, for, for think about like
0: fetish- yeah, go ahead
1: well just for cuz i'm on your side dave and i think like the the cartoonish violence i'm totally fine with um i think you can you can do a lot with that as a as a medium of ultra violence there's quite a bit you could do but certainly there are points where things can become seem truly cruel and truly torturous and i'm thinking like Gaspar Noé films. I'm thinking of like, you know... Um, well, I, I would argue that Hanka. Gaspar
0: Noé is like kind of yeah. ultra-realistic, as it were. Like yeah, it doesn't, and I, you know? I
1: think that is that is part of my thing. I I saw Irreversible once and never again. You know? <laughs> yeah. It is uh, it is truly horrific, like the stuff in that movie. And I, I know people who, who love it. I don't know if you like, like it and repeatedly watch it, but it is sort of like sexual violence is the thing where i'm just like i don't i don't need to deal with this right and also are you using this to actually tell your story or are you just being fetishistic about it like that's a sort of that's my immediate turn off is sexual violence um even in a cartoonish way because i think that can that can just be garbage um and then yeah truly cruel stuff like i don't watch torture porn movies just because i find them boring not because i find them you know particularly uh depressing or anything they're just I, I don't get that kick that some people do out of watching a movie like hostile. Jeff, you were talking about how the, the
0: fetishization of like mm-hmm. guns,
2: I think it's, yeah. it's a problem for you, right? Yeah. For, it has become one. I mean, I remember in my younger days, you know, like the scene in the matrix when they're like, what do you need? He's like guns, guns. Yeah. lots yeah. of guns. And as a kid, I was like, fuck yeah. Woo-hoo. You know, that that's a, such a cool thing. And yeah, let's oh my God. And now i see similar things in movies where like getting the gun is the mm-hmm. is the ultimate payoff you know it's like yeah now i've got the gun and now i'm gonna do something cool with the gun and i just i just i, I recoil from that now i i just uh because this idea we seen so
0: much gun violence in real life right yeah because,
2: and because yeah. It, because gun violence in real life and this fetishization of, of guns in real life and this this gun culture where uh having a gun is so is tied to masculinity in some perverse way, or it is, you know, tied to power and, and this, this sense of self. And, and it, it, I don't know. I just, I find that off putting now.
0: All right. Um, Yeah. Well, uh, those are our thoughts Uh, mixed bag over here on the slash film cast. This email comes in from Rob Utz who writes in Dave DeVindra and Blef. I'm turning 40 this year and I have two young children, age four and one. My kids will have 40 more years of movies to catch up on than I did to uh, growing up. How do you guys recommend I go about showing all these movies to my kids? Do I show the movies I loved growing up from the 80s and 90s that probably aren't that great and might not hold up but are sentimental to me? Do I do just the essentials or just let them decide when they're a little older what they want to watch? I'm also debating just locking them in the basement until they watch every DVD and Blu-ray I own. I have thousands as I cannot part with physical media. How are you guys planning on handling this with your children? Thanks. I'm going to leave this guy to, to you guys. Yeah. Well, that um,
2: locking them in the basement plan seems like the one that gives you the most peace of mind because you just get to have so many free hours of not having to worry about the kids. <laughs> yeah. It's no, just child care. Zero, zero, at zero at downside. <laughs> zero downsides. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah. How, how are you? You're probably making some plans on how you're going to show your kids movies and how you're going to take them through the canon,
1: as it were. Uh, what are your thoughts?
2: Go ahead, Davinjri. Take this one.
1: Sure. I mean. Listen, almost the moment like I I think they usually say like eighteen months or twenty months, like when it's vaguely safe to let your kid watch a little bit of screen time. You know, I think every parent now is trying to do trying to keep kids away from screens until then. But we, you know, we at that point we're in the middle of the pandemic. You know, and it's like there's you can only do so much safely outside. And when we were in New York, there was just like not much we could do outside. So we started watching little things. I wanted to get sophia into just like the good the good kid stuff you know and i feel like that is kind of what i'm trying to do right now so you know it started with sesame street um and she she immediately like just latched onto all those characters and sesame street also you know when we were new yorkers was a great show for her to watch because it was a full representation of what it was like to live in a really diverse uh really dense city that's the the beauty of sesame street right and along the way she got into peppa pig which I think is, uh, I've talked about this before. That's a fun show. The, the good, the thing you I, I have to do now with my wife is basically we're finding the good educational shows, but also the ones that we can stand to, you know, watch yeah. on repeat of the same That's episodes. The key. That's the key. Because you don't yeah. want to be driven insane. Um, there's a lot of garbage on YouTube. There are a lot of like badly produced kids shows all over the place um, where kids will just watch most of the time we'll just watch whatever you put in front of them. So I feel like my job right now is just the curator to be like, okay, what's, what's the good stuff. So now, uh, Sophia getting to Dora the Explorer, which is an older show. It's actually weird because it seems like the culture around that has died out a little, but she loves Dora and she loves the kids and she's learning a little Spanish and she's like getting to go on adventures in a time where we can't, it's still cold down here, even though it's the South, so we can't go outside every day. But she has more freedom here than she did in New York, so that's kind of nice. And the Miyazaki movies, that's been a big one. And she is just all on board with Miyazaki. Like She is on board with the sensibilities and his like creativity. And some of the movies are a little scary. You know, we watched uh, Spirited Away, and there's some crazy imagery yes. in that movie. I watched I it the... for the first time recently myself. And you're, and you're, I found you're it... struck with fear.
0: Yeah. I found it to be quite terrifying. But
1: yes. Yeah. It's I mean a terrifying even uh movie. Uh-huh.
2: even yeah. my neighbor Totoro has that scene where they walk in and there's literally like yeah dark demons that little are in bugs. the corners of every room. And they you know, show like, up again <laughs> in
1: Spirited Away. It's a, it's yeah. kind of like a fun little connecting bit in those movies. But Spirited Away has like, you know, demons and crazy witches with huge faces and disembodied heads that just bump around and it is she she's just into it, right? And we're right there too. In case she gets scared, uh, I try to like we're not doing the crazy adult you know, Miyazaki stuff, right? Um, the you know Mononoke will be probably not until she's like a teenager or at least a much older adolescent. Um, but I think the the kids Miyazaki movies Ponyo has ended up being a good one too because that movie is just. It's so sweet and so beautiful. And there's not much scary imagery. It's just a lot of animals and big waves and whatnot. And it's about kids doing, you know, trying to save each other and trying to save the world in their own way. It's very sweet and cute and creative. And that's kind of what I'm leaning towards. As for the other movies, you know, we'll get there when we get there. You know, I, that's the least of my priorities right now as we're trying to survive a pandemic in a country whose democracy is falling apart.
2: Yeah.
0: Jeff, any thoughts on movies to introduce to your kids and what how you're gonna yeah. do? Yeah.
2: So I'll tell you an example from my childhood. My dad had a massive VHS movie collection. Massive. Now, this wasn't because he bought movies on VHS. My dad put the VHS on long play. Yes. Which if anybody knows get about anything? Six hours, right? Six yeah. hours. So he had yeah. three movies per tape that he taped from HBO and yeah. Showtime three movies per tape, scotch tape on the end of the VHS tape with the three titles of the movie and a line separating uh-huh. each of them. This is okay? why, you
1: hate physical media, Jeff, I get it now. This is your origin story. <laughs> it's maybe,
2: it's maybe the origin of that. It was very astute of you to notice that. Um, but, so he had these huge cases of movie after movie after movie after movie, all of them, just this scotch tape with the title written three movies per tape. And when I was a kid, I would pour over these cases of movies and I would look at the titles, not having any context. There was no internet. I had no context for what these movies were. Some of them I knew. I knew the Raiders of the Lost Ark. I knew the Star Wars. I knew there was a lot of movies for me in there. But if I had a sick day or some free time, I would often ask my dad for a recommendation like dad what movie should i watch what movie what movie is, is there what's a pick like what's something that i've never heard of that's and he would go to the the giant case of movies and he would be like this one watch this mm-hmm. and i would watch it and I'd be like wow oh, that's cool or whatever and i'm hoping that in this media bombardment that my kids are growing up in I will somehow get to that paradigm yeah, because yeah. ultimately it was always better because I was discovering it instead of it being thrust upon me. Right. I came mm-hmm. to him and was like, oh, great guru of movie wisdom. Give me, give me something. And he would be like, okay, this. And I'd be like, Ooh, and I, I want to, I want to, I hope to get to that place because where I am right now with my four-year-old is all he wants to watch is goddamn Hot Wheels YouTube videos. <laughs> oh no! You want to watch Hot Wheels unboxings, yep. and I'm like, please stop. <laughs> this is just just turning you into a consumer. I hate it so much. Um, so, so I mean, I think it's going to be a even more treacherous minefield out there because everything is content, mm-hmm. and content is everywhere. And you can easily spend just as much time watching Hot Wheels videos as watching great cinema. So I'm hoping to get to the place where he realizes that I'm this repository of knowledge and he will actually seek my wisdom out to recommend something for him. And then I can pull from my childhood, his childhood, before, right before he was born. All of these things, you know, there, there's a, a vast, like you said, uh like the uh the emailer said, 40 years of, you know, of stuff between when I was born and when my kid was born. And uh so I'll have all this cool, juicy stuff to to reveal to both my kids. Um, I say my son because he's the only one old enough to say things, but hopefully my daughter will be doing the same thing. Um And so that's, that's my, that's my hope. I don't know how to manifest that reality. (laughs) I don't know how to, I don't know how to bridge the gap between the, the Hot Wheels videos and the, you know, and the asking dad for his recommendation, but I'm hoping that it happens. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: All right. Well, you're, you're speaking your intentions into the universe and we're hoping it'll happen, Jeff. But uh, thank you very much for that email. Those are our thoughts on sharing movies with children. All right. Uh, This question comes in from patron Victor Fuentes. This is one that's near and dear to my heart, gentlemen. Uh, Victor asks, quote, how do you all feel about subtitles spoiling movies? It's been my experience that watching (laughs) certain (laughs) movies. I was just thinking about this. Yeah. Uh Rememory for Mark Polanski comes to mind with subtitles on can actually give away major plot details and twists. No, it's
2: comedies that are the the worst. It ruins the
0: joke. Hey, let me me finish the question, Jeff. As (laughs) such, I've come to greatly appreciate movies and media that actually do a good job of not giving away stuff in the subtitles. For example, they don't tell you the name of a character that you as the audience wouldn't know yet. Have you guys run into this issue? And uh, I actually ran into this issue in vivid fashion recently. So I was watching... uh, So I, I generally watch all my movies with subtitles on because... Uh, I just find it's easier, like, if I, you know, because uh, in in general, I don't know if you guys know this, but people expect us to talk about these movies intelligently on the podcast. Um, And so you want to, like, make sure you understood everything that happened insofar as the movie can communicate it to you. So I I watch it with subtitles. As the director intended, right? Yeah. As the director intended. Yeah, exactly. As as Christopher Nolan intended. Yeah. Um, And so I watched movie subtitles and I was watching the very brilliant film Mangrove, the small acts movie by uh, Steve McQueen. And basically the, the plot of mangrove is that there is a trial in that movie. And th- I, this is, I don't think this is a spoiler to say there is a verdict that is delivered in the trial. Okay. <laughs> and as the verdict was being delivered, I scrambled <laughs> to turn off That's the subtitles.
2: Funny. Because so I'm like, funny. I do
0: not want the subtitles to give away <laughs> mm. the, the verdict of the trial. <laughs> um, so funny. Uh, you know, and also, so, so the answer to your question, Victor is Yes. It happens. It sucks. (laughs) Um, Also, by the way, like, there's this other thing. I I started watching Layer Cake recently. I just put it on recently.
1: Good movie. Yeah. And
0: um, very minor spoiler for Layer Cake, but the name of the protagonist is never provided in Layer Cake. Mm -hmm. And often, what subtitles do very considerately is they'll say, like, you know, if Jeff and David are talking, they'll say, like, Jeff, here's the limerick for this week. David, what, Jeff? Another limerick? You know, like, whatever the, the dialogue is. And so the, they'll like say like who is saying the dialogue. And when it came to say like who Daniel Craig is, it just said XXXX, X, 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 you know, and, and like his dialogue. And it's like, it, it occurred to me that like in Layer Cake, you could go the whole movie without realizing that that character has no name. And then mm-hmm. like really only find out at the end, like if, if there's a moment where they kind of point it out. And... um. But that, like, if you would watch the subtitles, it would like kind of spoil that idea right away. So I also anyway. find that sound yep.
2: effects and music cues, yes. oftentimes, <laughs> are completely ruined, well, like
1: or are
0: unintentionally funny.
1: I think, right? It, don't, like, it almost
2: seems fun. like this is more trouble than it's worth.
0: Disagree. <laughs> that's a, that's a Disagree concept. completely. Yeah, Disagree. but it's for a... me, it's
2: it's the comedies that that suffer yes. the most, right? Because, yes. Dave, ask me what the key to comedy is. What's the key to comedy? Timing. Joe? It's timing, <laughs> and so the. <laughs> The, the, this is the first time Davis heard this joke. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. Uh, the uh, <laughs> the The problem is that you know you see the punchline yeah. before you've heard the end of the setup. It's brutal, and uh, it's brutal. I, I like I literally cannot watch a comedy with subtitles on at, at, at any point. It's very yeah. unfortunate.
0: Yeah, so I would say I love subtitles. I think it's a great example of a technology that was was created to benefit uh, people who are differently abled that we can all benefit from. Um, but at times it is rather irritating and well, there closed are times captions
1: more than subtitles, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like and also,
0: um, yeah. I pointed out recently, like, uh, that surprisingly, uh, sound of metal, I think like is a movie where you actually don't want to watch it with subtitles, uh, uh unless you are actually hard of hearing because, um, the, the actual soundscape, like you want to experience the soundscape. You don't want to see it described to you. Um, and so anyway, that's a, that's another example recently of like, I had to shut off the the closed captions. Um, okay. A uh, question from Mark Sullivan and a few Wait, other people. How,
2: how far are we into our 140 questions, Dave? How are we doing? We're like two questions into 100, 130 questions.
0: Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> so Mark Sullivan asks, uh, did Jeff or David Devendra continue going with Shit's Creek and how about Fargo season four? What do you guys think? Um,
2: so Jeff, I think you had start, started watching Shits Creek. Yeah. 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 I'm, I am still going. I'm still going. Okay, I, cool. I, I put that on as my like palate cleanser show. I still do not think it is uh, a home run show, but it is perfectly enjoyable. Yeah. Perfectly enjoyable. It is just not like amazing. You know, I, I, I find it very, very enjoyable and I put it on frequently between things or like uh, my wife and I only have a, have a half an hour to watch a thing and we just kind of want something light and fluffy we'll put that on and it gives me some chuckles uh, so I'm sort of slowly still moving through it
0: uh, and Fargo
2: season 4 are you guys watching I it, dropped or? off of Fargo season 4 I have to yeah. admit I I mean yeah. to watch the rest of it but I dropped off of it
1: yeah I watched out? the first episode just to kind of see what they were doing and uh, cause I, I like the setup of a Noah Hawley show right I just don't at this point don't trust him to commit with the execution and everything. It's a really, it's a good looking show. It's a really interesting, uh, way of portraying like these family, it's like families, uh, it's family crime drama, basically like just a history of, uh, crime families and how they're, uh, surviving in one, one little town. And, you know, it delves into immigration and everything too. And like how the racial makeup of a lot of these gangs change over time. I will say, don't I do not at all buy Chris Rock in this show. Like he is, he is supposed to be the sort of like he's the lead, yeah. He is the Michael Corleone of this whole jam, and he is just doesn't have the gravitas for that for me. Um, so I watched the first episode; it was fine. I could see enough of like, oh, you are literally just uh, uh, alluding to The Godfather right now several times. Um, I like the style of what he does sometimes. I just yeah, it's never enough to keep me going. But it was a good first episode. It seemed nice. All right. Uh, those are our thoughts on Schitt's Creek and Fargo season four. Uh, it seems like fell off the Fargo train, but uh,
0: Schitt's Creek maybe still going strong. This message comes in from Luke Shea. Luke writes in this year with a lack of new releases and unified cultural events surrounding them, I found myself really enjoying older movies, both favorites and ones I'd missed. I did director filmographies with Blank Check, the podcast. I set up theme weeks and challenges for myself. I did a movie, a week of movies about cows for the release of First Cow. I did a week of invisible person movies in honor of the invisible man. I did a week of movies where the villain is a type of slime or ooze because I had fun watching the original blob with my kids. I did a deep dive on a lot of classic horror films I'd missed. I'm working my way through a 30 film tour of Dracula history. I found myself drawn to movies that take place at parties or a shitty bar. Normal things we haven't been able to access this year. In the coming year, I'm going to start an ongoing attempt to watch at least one movie from every country on earth. Nice. First, let me pause here and just say, Wow, That's Luke hard. is way more ambitious than us. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I feel like Luke should yeah. have the podcast. Um, so, uh, how did COVID lockdown change your viewing habits and interests? Do you have any strange new approaches you picked up? Do you think those habits will stick with you? Are you going to go back to your pre-COVID interests and habits ASAP? End quote. Um, so that comes from Luke. So, how did COVID impact your viewing or the movies yeah. you're interested in? Any, any Before counts? we get
2: to that, can I just say, no offense to Luke, but none of that sounds appealing to me. <laughs> i'm sorry but like listen some people like
1: closed captions some people don't whatever floats your
2: boat yeah i get it different strokes for different folks i'm not i'm not not trying to yuck anybody's yum but uh for me there's nothing about grouping movies together thematically that makes me enjoy them more it would make me enjoy them less Mm. i feel like unless i'm studying something about these kinds of movies and i want to really you know, crack a code on how these kinds of movies are made or something. Uh, The idea of like, oh, I really like this movie about an invisible person. I'm going to watch all the invisible movies. I feel like that just makes me not like the invisible movie as much. (laughs) I'm just going to see all the, the similarities and like, I don't choke know. I, on think, the- I
0: think there's a lot of uh, you're, you're gonna yeah. choke on the marrow of life. Um, yeah. <laughs> I think uh, I think there's a lot of uh, the, you know. This is something that film spotting SVU R I P with Alison Wilmore mm-hmm. and uh, Matt Singer used to do. Is that they used to review like a new movie each week, you know, like a new David Fincher movie, and then like they would then discuss all of David Fincher's films, and it would just be like, it's so fascinating because when you compare all these movies, or like they do like a t- all time travel movies. You know, yeah. and I just think it's so fascinating because you, you like learn about the genre or how it works as a storytelling device. I think it's I think it's fascinating, um, but uh, totally respect that it's not your thing. But let's get to the question, Jeff. What do you think about how COVID has influenced your viewing habits or are there things you want to watch now that you didn't want to watch? I know for some people, they're like, I only want to watch older movies now. I want to watch like mm-hmm. movies that uh, I know uh, I'm comforted by them. You know, like I, I, I know what I'm going to get and other people seek out the new. Uh, I, I will say for me, it's, it's weird. Like, I guess because we do the podcast for me, like the podcast has always been an engine that drives me to watch more new movies. Right. 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 Uh, Cause it's like, we got to review the newest thing. And that's just been very weird this year because there are no new movies in theaters so we'd have to figure out like what's new online and stuff and that's why we've had many snafus where we announced something and didn't end up reviewing it because it's something else better came out um it hasn't changed my viewing that much i'll say that uh early on Um, I found it very odd to watch movies where people behaved in ways that were non COVID compliant and social distancing people like hugging and shaking hands and licking each other, you know, like I couldn't watch those movies. (laughs) Um, but I, I eventually got over that. Like that's, that's not the, not a problem for me anymore. I will say, here's what I will say.
2: Well, is it? Hasn't I, your bubble changed how you view things? Because now your your bubble is it's like the group mind of the bubble decides what you're going to so, watch. It's right? so
0: true. Here's what it, it, that is true. I will say that I have absolutely no interest in watching movie, sh- movies or shows that are about COVID. Like, um, <laughs> there's like, what, what? Alex Gibney put out a documentary about yeah, COVID, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, uh, what was it called? Uh, um, Uh, totally under control is that documentary there's also apparently an incredible documentary called 76 days about the early days of the coronavirus um i just have no interest in watching any of these things like or socially distanced you know movies that are about like oh we have to be together apart like i i i don't need to be reminded of this agony that we're all experiencing because i'm experiencing it maybe one day like two decades from now i'm going to be into it but like I just can't imagine myself watching anything like that deals directly with you and
2: Luke will be doing the all the movies about COVID. uh, Right. Well, I mean, I so
0: so I mean, I think like to be to be clear, I am following very closely all the news and stuff like that. So, like, if there's developments, if there's things relevant to like how we live our lives, I follow all that stuff. But like, like art that is about COVID, like, there's a what was it? Um, There's this COVID movie. It was Songbird, I think was the name. Yeah. There's this movie. Um this is the 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 uh plot to songbird I'm reading the plot Immune to the COVID23 virus a courier races against time to save the woman he loves from a quarantine camp
2: Wait this um, is not COVID19 it's COVID23 COVID23 uh, this movie
0: has a it's 10% like four worse than 19 <laughs> This movie has a 10% on Rotten Tomatoes. According to Rotten Tomatoes, the consensus is muddled, tedious, and uninspired. Songbird's gimmick never coalesces into a meaningful story about pandemic lockdown. Anyway, so th- that is one thing. Is like I just I, I have no interest in that. Okay, but have it, has it changed how you guys view media or the types
1: of media you view? Your guys' thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I think going back and watching older films I think is the thing where it's like, oh, remember when you know we used to just walk around new york and having all these outside outdoor moments um being in new york during the first like initial lockdown was a sort of like i just really missed the city that i was living in and that's a really strange thing to to have to 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 go through i think like in new york when you know when the initial wave of covid hit too we were it was bad it was it was scary and the city was quiet um at night all you could hear was just like constant ambulances because they were just picking up everybody who was sick or who had died. And that's what was happening. So yeah, New York stuff just made me feel really nostalgic. I didn't stop watching anything, but at that early point um, I missed New York. And when I watch a lot of stuff now, like the 40 year old version, that is such a, that's New York. You know, that's kind of why I love living there. Um, Yeah. Right now it's just like, Hey, we're, we're just trying to stay sane. You know, as this endless war wages on and the country is on fire, so it hasn't changed. So much you're, you're at this looking point. for comfort
0: yeah. food in in movies. Yeah, right? you're I looking mean, I kinda, movies for comfort.
1: Basically. I kind of am, but we also, hey, we're doing we're doing a lot of like viewing for the show too. And for a while, it was not the most comforting stuff. You know, so there's there's quite a, there's a lot. I have more of a love for comfort food now, but I. I'm still watching the same things I was. I just am constantly feeling nostalgic for like the way things used to be and seeing uh, movies in the theater. You know, I'm always saying like, man, I wish I was seeing this in a the theater instead of at home. Jeff, any thoughts?
2: Yeah, I think that I agree with the Devendra. I, I, I find the things that I'm watching just for myself where the, the sort of what we've been watching stuff, not the uh, movie we all decided to review. Mm-hmm. Cause that's, you know, that's what it is. And we're dealing with what's available and we're picking the best of the bunch in in new releases. And, um, but for the, you know, sitting down and don't have any agenda, just want to watch something. I am turning to things that are lighter in general and less, there's just so much stress, uh, now, you know, it's, it's a very stressful time and I want things that can, Just not be so stressful, and uh, and that never used to be my mo. I I enjoy things that are challenging and interesting, and uh, you know, force me to face truths and stuff like that. And I still appreciate those kinds of movies, but I'm in my leisure time. I'm Jeff, definitely more like just I just want to load off my brain, and and not I'm not looking for dumb stuff, but I just more things that are a little lighter. You know, that's why like Palm Springs was such Mm -hmm. a perfect movie this year. You know, so I was so high on my list. Yeah. Yeah. It's like it was smart and, you know, it wasn't a dumb movie that I had to shut off my brain to enjoy. I actually had maybe think about stuff, but it also was light and fun and. And it was like yeah that's that's what i need <laughs> you know
1: <laughs> so, also a great soundtrack yeah. i i've been re-listening yeah. to that soundtrack over and over just so oh chill. yeah so so that, that's another
0: question by the way uh mm. that people have like favorite soundtracks of 2020
1: mm. um
0: mm. Uh, so uh here's what i'm going to say uh uh the number 1 for me is tenet yeah, uh, yeah. ludwig Göransson's uh s- score for tenet is Pretty great. Uh, It's in my regular rotation. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm also going to say Soul, the uh, Trent Reznor, Atticus Ross score uh, with Jazz by Mm John Batiste is a great score as well. Um, I've heard the Minari score is great. I actually haven't listened to it independently yet, Um, but I've also heard that's great. Did you
1: see Minari, Dave?
0: I did. I did. I don't know if I mentioned it? it it was it was awesome
1: yeah. it was awesome it
2: was um
0: good? and uh mm-hmm. i would say uh the five bloods score uh the uh, terrence blanchard you totally missed that totally missed that. no
2: i didn't yeah. miss it i no. did not miss it no i got it i, I got was it. there uh-huh. for it
0: uh-huh. I, I was there i yeah. was there for it too um so anyway those are a few scores uh and also a random one um this is not even a movie score but the cyberpunk 2077 score it's a pretty good uh, score yeah. pretty awesome
1: Awesome. Also, pretty the badass. the Baccarat yeah. score, uh, I love where that goes because that that movie all of a sudden becomes a John Carpenter score, and it sounds fantastic because of it. Jeff, I assume you don't listen to scores, but gonna throw yeah, it to I'm you not, in case. That's
2: not my jam. You guys are much more experts, uh, but I, I did appreciate the uh, Tenant score as well. I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty amazing. Yeah,
0: it's, um, it's pretty awesome. It's it really drove that ones.
1: movie when like there was very little else, kind of driving us forward, right? So it was just useful and percussive in that way.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's do three more questions. Um, this one comes this this is a uh, there's a couple questions that got quite a number of votes uh, on the Patreon page at patreoncom slash podcast. This one comes in from Patron Earl Sires. What film lived in your mind as your favorite film for a period of time until you rewatched it and realized it was no longer a favorite? Do you think the change stemmed from a reassessment of the film or a different perspective that you brought to viewing it? So let's start with this question. Actually, let me ask you: like, do you guys currently? Have a favorite film of all time, like in mind.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: When you're thinking of the question, do you have a yeah, favorite film of say, all
2: time? I always say my dinner with Andre is my favorite film of all time, but
0: um
2: I don't for me. Know really yeah. For
0: me, it's probably children of men.
1: Um, yeah, it's
2: a worthy that's in my top, I'm sure it's in my top five or ten for sure.
1: Do you have a favorite of all time? I can't. It, the thing is, this question always comes down to like my feeling or my mood, right? Because I have like a constant rotating list of movies. I love and children of men is one old boys, one uh, crouching tiger is one. The matrix is one. Like, so I can't, it's, it's it's just like, a, you know, it is a quantum field of one choices for me, but I have like a small selection of movies that always kind of fit in that spot. I would say like city of God, was yeah. my number one yeah. for quite
0: a long time, and mm-hmm. I guess because um, I, I, I was, I found it to be so dazzling and in your face, and mm-hmm. like, oh wow, like this is so fascinating to learn about this world and all these different characters, and um, and then over time, I guess like I was dazzled by other things, you know, like yeah. I was yeah. dazzled by. Uh, Children of Men, which like I think still remains quite socially relevant, but it's fantastic. the uh, Alfonso Cuarón's uh, technical wizardry still holds up to this day. You know, in that movie, and um,
1: and so I mean, perhaps the singular the singular movie that predicted so much of where we would end up because it was also something where he had researched a lot about where things were geopolitically. You know, where people were going, how countries were thinking of refugees and things like that. So. I mean, I, I, yeah, his research ended up making that movie timeless.
0: Um, so it's it sounds like basically our thoughts are that like things change depending on our feelings, where we mm-hmm. are in our lives, right? Um, but that there are fundamentally like some things that resonate with us and then different films can like scratch those itches depending on, on mm-hmm. uh, where we are in life. Um, has My Dinner with Andre been your like number one for forever, Jeff, or has there ever been another? Yeah, since I was in
2: college. I, yeah. I, and I, I don't, I just, you know, obviously there are movies that are more sophisticated, doing more things, going, you know, doing more with the medium. But I like, if somebody asks me what my favorite movie of all time is, I say that one because I think it speaks to who I am most, right? It's a movie that is my sensibility as far as what we've kind of discussed already on this episode about, you know, just putting a camera in front of two people and letting them talk. But also, it's about art. It's about these big ideas, these big struggles about, you know, hum- humanity and w- making things and wanting to be relevant and all these big questions in life that I love thinking about and struggling with. And it's also a movie that I've seen a bunch of times. And every time I see it, I come away from it differently because... I'm coming at it from different points in my own life. Like it, I used to really relate to the Wallace Shawn character. And then at a certain point I started relating to the Andre Gregory character. And then now I'm sort of back to the Wallace Shawn. It's, it's a, it's an incredible achievement. That movie, I think it's audacious. It just like this conversation between these, these two men and the things that they talk about, you know, are, are things that I've been consumed with my entire adult life. And So yeah, I mean it's it's it was also a quirky movie. I like the fact that nobody says that's their favorite movie except me. You know, I I kind of like that about it. I, (laughs) you know, I I like I I like what it says about me. To be a unique
0: snowflake, basically,
2: right? Well, yeah, yeah. I mean that's a pejorative way to say it, but yeah, you know that I I do like the fact that it's like I can make it my own in in a certain way. It's like this is this is a movie that I truly love and usually it's not a movie that people have seen or know very well. And so it can be a bit of a revealing thing about me. And, and, and when somebody asks you what's your favorite movie, it's about trying to get to know you, right? It's not about trying to get to know the movie. So I think
0: yeah, right, that's why right, I like right. it. Yeah. yeah. No, fair point, fair point. Um, on that note, Ian Michael James asked this question, what movies have you had the biggest change of opinion on? Are there movies mm. you love when they came out, but later you can't stand? Or are there movies you didn't, that didn't click with you when you first saw them, but you've reappraised since that original viewing? For me, I hated in New York when it came out, but as I've gotten older, I gained a new understanding of it. I now consider it one of my favorite Charlie Kaufman films. Would love to hear your thoughts, end quote. This is a great question. I have a couple of answers. in New York is one of them. When I thought, saw that movie, I was like, this is completely incomprehensible. <laughs> I hate this movie. Movie freaking sucks. Um, But now it's like one of my favorite films because it is very dreamlike. It is hard to understand. It is inaccessible, but it does capture a lot of what it means to be an artist, a lot of what it means to age. And I really like it. Um, I would say the biggest example of this in recent memory would be The Hateful Eight, a movie that I thought was just extremely cruel and unpleasant the first time I watched it. Um, But then as time has gone on because this movie came out in 2015. So like at the end of the Obama era, basically. Yeah. Right. And it's like, Oh, this movie is so like, just hate, like hateful. I know it's, you know, it's in the title. And it has <laughs> this, like, eight characters. There's, there's, yeah. there's eight of them and they're so hateful. I'm just like, this is so mean and cruel. And, uh, and then like, you know, now at the end of the Trump era, hopefully the end, <laughs> Uh, it just seems like wow that movie really. I feel like that movie came out two years too early. Like if sure. it came out two years yeah. later, would be as
2: kind as these hateful aids. That's yeah, what I'm no, hoping for.
0: I mean, at least they have a sense of justice and logic. <laughs> um, you know, yeah. like I, I, so I feel like that's a movie where like I saw it. I was like why why did he make this? This is so unnecessary and wanton and cruel. And now I'm like wow, did that perfectly capture that this portion Man, of, of time? You know,
2: yeah. such a great answer to the question, Dave. I'm I'm not going to be able to come up with one as.
0: Okay, well. no worries, no worries. But if you guys have any thoughts of like a, a movie you changed your mind on, um, would love to hear it. But those I are feel a like of um,
1: Blade Runner is kind of the big one for me. Just thinking like the first, I wanted to love that movie so much, right? Because it, it is a combination of so many things that I enjoy. And so at the first time, I think in high school, and didn't click. Didn't quite under, it seemed slow and boring and... Like, uh, Han
2: is not doing any cool Han Solo stuff in yeah, this yeah, movie. Yeah, so he's
1: not doing any stuff. I watched it in college with a lot of my geeky friends, and they were like, you know, they're, they're into it. But um, I it didn't really click with me until like the third or fourth time where I could kind of take a step back and appreciate it as a work of aesthetic art. You know, yeah, it is about yeah. the vibe. It's not, it's pl- it's not about very plot-driven. You know? it's, it's it's a not, really simple plot. Like he, yeah. he goes somewhere, finds some people, <laughs> and he, you know finds the uh, the other clones, and that's it. But it is about the mood that uh, Ridley really Scott evokes, and I really learned to appreciate that on the like third or fourth try, and that really changed the way I saw a lot of other movies too. You know, because that is the way you have to watch some movies, because not everything is just about plot. Jeff, any thoughts or?
2: And I'm struggling uh, here. I, um, I guess the answer is I don't change my mind, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> All no, right. I don't know. I, I'm sure there's. A, I'm sure there's a, a, a couple of movies that I'm just not not coming up with right now. But um, it's also, uh, I can't remember anything before. March of twenty twenty, so it's, it's hard.
0: Uh, <laughs> no worries. Okay, a couple quick one, qu- a couple quick questions, and then we'll end with uh, this one about this one that I think is going to be a good one. Um, so Alan Northway asks, did David watch Nomadland before the Best of Twenty Twenty podcast? If so, why didn't he include it in his top ten? Um, uh, the answer to your question is yes, I did watch Nomadland. I liked it, didn't love it. Um, and but I do think we are going to review it uh, oh, as a like main review. Yeah. Later I cannot year, so. wait yeah. to see that movie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But it was it, it, I I did not like it as much as Chloe's I last movie, The Rider. Um, I'm one of I, I think I listed it as like movie I didn't get. Like everyone thought this was like their number one or top five or top ten movie of the year, and I, I thought it was quite good and interesting. But it wasn't. It didn't. Uh, it didn't really do it for me. And we can talk about why during our review later. Um, this question came up. Um, Etienne Gagné says, uh, I really enjoyed your discussion of Citizen Kane. Any thoughts on discussing or reviewing older movies? I understand that's not the type of content that brings in the money horse, but I'm yeah. curious about your thoughts on some of the old, older films, end quote. Um, so yeah, I'll just say uh, we, every time we've done older movie reviews, they have done uh, more poorly than any of the newer review movies. Mm. Uh, like every single time. Yeah, they've done yeah. more. Pro- Even this year, when there was no movies coming out, we did older films. What do you people wor- want? They did yeah. worse than we. But but I will say that I think that the Patreon and the After Darks have opened up the possibility sure. that we can cover these movies as After Darks moving forward, and that is exciting. Uh, but in general, uh, we don't cover the older films on the main show because that's not what people tune into the show for. In general. But who knows? Again, one day, like maybe the entire entertainment industry will collapse and that's all we'll be covering one day. We'll, we, we
2: can't predict the future. <laughs> I mean, we can, all, we just, can always hope, you know? Yeah,
0: indeed. We can always hope. Okay. Um, here's a good one, guys. Here's a good one. Uh, we can end on this one. Um, so uh, the, the uh, question comes from Eric Pessoa, who writes in, if you guys could choose any other podcast to participate on as a guest, which mm. one would each of you like to be part of?
1: Mm. Wow. So I'll give
0: you a second to think about that. I mean, I, I don't need <laughs> a second. I, I know exactly <laughs> Oh, which one. You're, you already know right now. Yeah, okay. Yeah, right now.
1: Okay. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, um, I, I want to do blank check. I want to talk with Griffin and David. So, yeah, uh, I love blank check. I I love everything they're doing, their vibe and everything. So, love that show. It's a
0: great, it's yeah. a great podcast. At the it's same so time, good. we have had Griffin and David on this
1: podcast. We have. It's not you the same. I mean? It's not the same. Uh, <laughs> got, got to jack both Dave and Jeff, uh, just for me to have Griffin and David time. Yeah.
2: <laughs> All right. Does uh right. does wait wait don't tell me count? Yeah. It, that that, sure.
0: that does count. That does count. You know, speaking of things I've changed my opinion on, uh, that is a show I used to love and listen to religiously, and now actively despise. Um, <laughs> that said, Jeff. That said, Jeff. Go go ahead. Yeah, I'll be honest. Tell
2: I, us why I, you love I, it so I much. I haven't listened. <laughs> I haven't listened to it. I haven't listened to it since I stopped driving in my car to go it's, places. Uh, you know, so, it, I don't know if it's, it's changed, but it's the I used same to, as you know,
1: yeah.
0: yeah. I, I think it's just like it, it's. You know, it, it basically is a show for smug liberals, right? Which you know, one could argue that yeah. uh, Slash Filmcast is the same. But like, I mean, sure. I, 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 I but it's just like the the level of the humor and and uh, and the kind of tone of the show. I have, you know, it, it's it's you've outgrown I, it. It's fine. I, I yeah, I've used to love. I used to be like, I actually went to see a live taping. I had a blast, you know. But now I'm like, <laughs> I, I've come to I've come to question. Like, is this show part of the problem? <laughs> is, this, is this part of the problem of what's wrong with America? I
1: I, th- I think it is just dumb fun, but it is just kind of silly. And yeah, that's fair. That's, that's, that's why unfair. I think it would be yeah, fun to be fair. on it. Like, yeah. I, think I actually think be you'd be a great guest, Jeff. No, yeah, you no would James be. James. You'd be I think you would
2: be. You would, <laughs> I despise the show. You would be perfect <laughs> for it. I hate
0: it with every fiber of my being.
1: <laughs> but
0: Seems you would right be Seems right
1: up your alley. Kind of it's it kind of Jeff. Yeah. For yeah.
2: smug liberals. Man, you'd be great, Jeff. <laughs> you
0: would kill
1: you be hosting that, that show. show. Man, <laughs> just take it over.
0: <laughs> oh, uh, it's, good, it's good it's good to laugh, guys.
2: It's good to laugh. I mean, I would I would I wouldn't mind being on any show where, you know, I was say like, you know, even Mark Marin's show or it's like because it would mean that I reached a certain level <laughs> where right. they would want me on that show. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Because, because, yeah. The the question is, like, I guess the question is, is this just a world where, like, you 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 are like kind of an Andy Richter character on the show, or is it like you have in this in this hypothetical, have you accomplished yeah. something notable yeah. that, yeah. like, therefore you would be invited yeah. onto the show, right?
2: Yeah, fresh air. I want to be on fresh yeah, air. because exactly fresh air. Because she that... wants me on fresh air. <laughs> <laughs> because, because
0: in that hypothetical universe, you'll have done something notable that will warrant you being on fresh air. <laughs> exactly. Who can say what that actually is, right? But yeah. but presumably And you, yeah. you
1: want to be one of the memorable fresh air interviews, right? Like the like Adam Driver storming off. You know, like <laughs> you got you gotta be like a big fresh air interview.
2: Yeah. I want I just want her to be like. Jeff Kanata, you have said a number of very witty things on podcasts. Let's spend an hour talking yeah. about them.
1: <laughs> you, you've, built, you, you've built a billion-dollar empire on limericks.
2: Tell us how that <laughs> <laughs> Yes. Yes. You bought that private island where you can avoid all people based purely on limerick in, <laughs> income. Why? <laughs> I think that... Uh, yeah, so we are on to something, guys. <laughs> there's
0: there's like a, you know, now that now that we're talking about it, there's yeah. like a Visualize few your different future,
1: guys. There's yeah, a
0: few yeah. different types of podcasts, right? There's like the there as as uh, Stephen Tobolowski likes to put it, guys gabbin. Mm-hmm. You know, that's mm-hmm. the kind of podcast, right? Which is what the Slash slash Cast, it falls firmly into that genre, right? Is guys gabbin. There's like interview podcasts like Fresh Air. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's like uh, journalistic shows yeah, like investigative Reply podcast. All or This American Life or what have you, right? So, yeah. and and depending on which and one of those you do. that is all podcasts. That's all, literally every <laughs> single, we, there's no other kind of podcast. I've, <laughs> I've left out zero genres. Um, but like, those are some of the main ones. And I guess your role, your function on it would be different Based right. on which kind of podcast. Like in the first one, yeah. I, I think this question is really about <laughs> the, the guys. In the one, Gavin.
2: you are invariably a murder victim. <laughs> <laughs>
1: or the murderer. Or the In
2: murderer. the first one, yeah, you yes. are either the killer or their victim. <laughs> in the first
0: one, you're just another dude who loves movies. <laughs> <laughs> and in the second one, you've uh, you've uh, murdered people and written a book about it. Um <laughs> No, uh, so, do I
1: have an answer to this question? Um, yeah, I Mr. Guess... never guests on podcasts. Please <laughs> tell us. My time is too precious for other podcasts. Yeah.
0: Uh, okay. I mean, yeah, you're, you really put me on blast, Davindra, But, yeah. uh, but that's okay. That's what the show's for. Um, <laughs> I would say one of my one of the shows I really enjoy the most right now is a show called The Press Box, which mm-hmm. basically covers like the days media stories and also twitter drama and that's you, something you I'm really re- need like a show really for interested.
1: that yeah
0: <laughs> i think they do a great job david Schumacher and brian curtis do a great mm-hmm. job and mm-hmm. i would love to guest on that show um because i find their banter to be uh enjoyable and also i love getting into the minutiae of what's going on <laughs> twitter, in twitter drama so yeah uh that is the press box that's my choice um but there's a bunch of shows I would love to guess. Uh, the long form podcast would be my favorite interview show, uh, or one of my favorite interview shows. Um, and at the, if I was on the long form show, I would have written a pretty good book. So uh, <laughs> one day, maybe that's gonna that's gonna happen. Okay. Um, thank you so much for all of your questions. Sorry we didn't get to a hundred of them, uh, but we did our best. Um, and by best, I mean. We went for about two hours, and that's about as much as we could do today. Because, Davindra, you worked like 14 hours today, right?
1: I did, and I still have um, more stories to write, so it's definitely CES. Yeah.
0: Thank you, Davindra, for sticking with us today. I uh, really appreciate you staying up late and uh, hanging with us. Um, that's going to bring us to the end of this week's episode of the podcast. Uh, the theme song for the Slash Filmcast was brought to you by AdamWarrock.com. Our spoiler bumper was brought to you by filmmaker Kyle Hillinger. This episode was edited by Beatty Zhang. You can find more episodes at slash filmcast.com. Email us at slash filmcast at gmail.com. Back this podcast on Patreon at patreon.com slash film podcast. Next week, we are going to be reviewing One Night in Miami, nice. new Regina King movie, which is going to be on Prime Video. And, and why for, that
2: movie, Dave?
0: Well, because Jeffrey Canada. we put it to a vote over at yeah. patreon.com slash film podcast. Something that we're going to do intermittently until the movie's open again, <laughs> at which point, <laughs> like we'll probably have a much clearer idea of what movie we're going to review. Uh, but until then, there's going to be many weeks where it's pretty ambiguous. And so if you are a patron at patreoncom slash film podcast, you get to vote on what we review. A lot of people said they want a one night in Miami review with a back row after dark. Hell That's yeah. Exactly. What we're going to be doing next week. It's going to be a one night in Miami review followed by an after dark episode reviewing background. One thing I want to call out, the episode will come out a, a day later next week, uh, due to scheduling reasons. So, be on the lookout for the episode a day later. Don't worry, the show is still happening; it's just going to come out a day later.
2: All right. I I really enjoy these uh, mailbag episodes. Yes. we got to do more of these. These are fun.
0: I think so. I think we'll. I, what we should do is like once a month uh, for the After Dark, we should do the mailbag. In my yeah, view. I yeah, like it. Yeah, let's keep doing it. All right. Uh, and again, for for you know we're, we're like uh, there's all these uh, I like to underpromise and overdeliver when it comes to the patron benefits. You know we didn't say like prioritization when it comes to the mailbag episodes. Help us choose movies, but like those are in fact things we're we're trying to like surprise and delight the patrons with some cool little uh, bonuses like that. So Patreon.com/slash/filmpodcast. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week for our review of One Night in Miami and our After Dark of background And stick around this week for our After Dark. Of small acts with Devinia Hardwar. Uh, check that out. Thanks for listening. See you
2: later. Bye.